Hey friends, what you're about to hear is a conversation with Cardo, a senior systems and level designer with over a decade of experience creating games like Defiance and H1Z1. In 2018, he took on the role of lead designer for a small team charged with the creation of a battle royale set in the Planetside universe. The game that came to be known as Planetside Arena released, died, and shut down all within a few months in 2019. In this conversation, I talked to Cardo about how Planetside Arena came to be, what went wrong, and what he learned along the way. In doing so, I learned about how he abandoned a stable career to restart life as a game developer, about how he began streaming to reach out to the communities he cared about, and about what it takes to be a human being in a games industry that often deals losing hands to the passionate people who make all of it possible. This is the Deeg Podcast. To support it, please check out my Patreon in the description. And now, my friends, here's Cardo. So first off, thank you for taking time to sit down with me, Cardo. I've been wanting to talk to you for ages. Um, like a year. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I've talked to so many other people in the Planetside scene. I've talked to Rel a couple of times, which are Planetside to uh, streamers and creators and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we all, that always comes up from time to time is Planetside Arena. Planetside Arena, like, wow, remember Planetside Arena? Like, what? What happened there, man? And yeah. you you were the face of Planetside Arena. So I wanted yeah. to talk to you about that, but I also know there's a long story of your life and your career as a game dev before we ever even got oh, yeah. there. So... <laughs> If you're cool with it, I'd love to just back yeah. it up and start with like how you came in into being a, a game developer in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we we can I'll keep it high level, or else it'll turn into a three hour conversation on its oh, own. No. But <laughs> yeah, um, you know, long story short, was um, got out of high school and uh, went to college and dropped out because it just was not up my alley. Like. Like my mm. grades were terrible. I didn't have interest in anything. It was just, it was not good. Went and did a bunch of odd jobs. So went and worked in retail, worked at car dealerships, detailing cars, putting car stereos. And I got into construction and started doing HVAC and doors and windows and you name it. Like I did it. Didn't matter. And then uh, my dad, <clears throat> he's like, Hey, I want to start uh, a window company and I want you to go into business with me. And I was like, Okay. So we started a window company and it was really random, right? But okay. sliding glass doors and windows and mirrors and yeah. stuff. And life was good. I was making good money. Mm -hmm. Was on a business with my dad, doing our thing. Still wasn't happy. Just was mm -hmm. not happy waking up every day. And uh, what do you call it? Then, you know, just one of those things like play video games. Somebody makes video games. What do I got to do to make video games? And yeah. then that's when uh, I went to college. And so Got enrolled. So you went back to college. Um, went back to college. Went wow. back to college. This was actually how many years later time. was this? Oh man, a lot. Um, so I went to college the first time when I was uh, 18, 19, right out of high school. Yeah. Uh, went for a year, dropped out, and then in between all those small jobs, like I think I was like 22, 23, I went back to college again. Mm -hmm. Dropped out for a second time. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized that like traditional education wasn't wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And then. Um, so this was the third time. And so I, let's see, I got in the industry when I was 29. So therefore I went back when I was 27. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so I went back third time at 27 and then I did a four year degree in two and a half years yep. and just aced everything. And I was you like, just ate it up. 
just what i could not get enough could not so get enough what um, changed from 18 to 28 or whatever it was that went from college dropout to college ace like what, what's the difference i figured out what i wanted to do hey, man. and that was it was all about subject matter right and so it was everything was about game design or game development or game art i'm a terrible artist by the way that's why i'm a designer <laughs> but um <laughs> i learned that one real quick and Good to uh, know your strengths and, <laughs> exactly and it was just one of those like well this is this is how i will hopefully get to where i want to be and so that changed everything and so it was like i can do this i can do whatever i need to and i went from you know a c maybe like a d plus student to straight a's and it was just mm. like and that's when i realized i was like man all these years i thought i was really dumb but i wasn't i just wasn't applying myself because i didn't care yeah and it's 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 crazy because how little we focus on education about finding something that you care about and mm. we just oh well, it's all about intelligence and smarts and it's like no it's about how much you apply yourself and if you don't care about it you're so much less likely to apply yourself so right. anyway so go back to school at i relate to that also a college dropout by the way hey let's go you know yeah. it, yep. and it, i feel like people like say that sometimes and like some people have shame in it and it's like hell no like you realize that wasn't your gig mm. so good for you for not just like anyway i learned a um, lot since then as i'm sure you have yeah, it's crazy. If I would have known back then. Yeah. But, um, so went to school, two mm -hmm. and a half years, uh, cranked so out the four-year degree. game design, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was game design. What um, is it like it to was, study game design at university? It was interesting. Uh, a lot of the general ed courses that you would expect, whether it's, you know, math and, and history and, yeah. and, you know, literature and all that kind of fun stuff <laughs> that I don't like. But I like math. I like math and science. I'm a math and science guy. But Word. Um, when it came to the game design stuff, it was things like whether it be color theory or introduction to different modeling programs, introduction to game engines, um, you know, uh, high level, uh, designs. Um, now I think it's a little bit more focused on technical aspects of like, uh, understanding like scripting languages and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but back then a lot of it for me, I had a focus on level design. And so it was all, uh, level, a lot of geometry, um, working in editors, uh, whether doing it with static meshes or BSPs, cause that's what was big back then. Yeah. Um, and you know, just how to get things up and running, uh, spawners, waypoints, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, at the end of it, <clears throat> I was able to essentially build multiplayer levels in, uh, in unreal. Uh -huh. And that was what my reel was whole made out of. It was just a whole bunch of multiplayer levels. Seems like a good skill um, to have. Yeah, and it was it was <laughs> so much fun. And and I ate it up. I just couldn't get enough of it, right? What like, is it, it about it, level design that, that works for you? Like what what motivates you? I don't I blame it on Legos. When I was <laughs> a kid, I would like sit there and just build Legos <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. Uh-huh. And and level design is digital Legos. Yeah, you man. Know, it's just me playing with just digital blocks and like I just eat it up and like and I miss it because like, I'm in system design now and I love system design, but uh -huh. I miss I, I miss my, my level design. But, you know, it would be when I was in school, it was nothing for me to start a project on, you know, uh, a Friday evening after work, uh, work all night Friday, work all day Saturday, work all night Saturday night, work all day Sunday and then crash out and then go to work on Monday. And like when I was able to do that, over and over and over and over. I was like, I'm on to something like this is cause it's passion, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's the passion that pulls you through because like anything normal, like you would just crash out. And so, um, yeah, I was just once, excited. Once you unlock that, that thing that activates you, that you know, is like, yeah. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Then yeah. it's like, yeah. get me back to it. Everything else feels like yep. a distraction. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, it's crazy because like it's, 
it's weird because you're like, I found my purpose. And someone's like making video. And like, I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, like, like it's, this right? is why I'm here. Like, and I, I just, I, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I love it and I care about it. That's a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, so then I got out of school um, and I was hit with the hard reality that like no one wanted to hire anybody straight out of college. Mm. I couldn't find a gig. Right. And so every place I was looking, it was like, you know, junior designer, uh, two years experience uh, and a ship title. And I'm like, that's not junior. That's someone who shipped games. Like, guys, what are you that's doing? Mid-level. Come on, man. And so, yeah. And so um, I found a program called ID Tech. ID Tech, they do uh, summer camps for kids, uh, and they teach robotics, they teach uh, coding, uh, they teach level design, so I got oh, lucky there, cool. um, and a bunch of others. It's, it's, I always called it nerd camp. It was exactly mm. what it was. It was straight nerd camp. It yeah. was great. Um, and so I did that for uh, a summer, and I did it at University of Miami, and I did it at Harvard. Had a lot of fun. Um, I think it was still, even with all the game jobs, one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had, because it was huh. like... Like we would start a week and there would be like a bunch of like super socially awkward kids that who thought that no one else was like them. And then they'd like interact with each other a little bit and they'd realize that like, wait, I'm not, I'm not the only one. And then like oh, they'd light up and you're like, yeah, that's amazing. That's right. We're all complete nerds. Embrace it. But that's amazing. Um, you see the thing that's... in them that, that, that you figured out for yourself and you can share, yep. you can yep. give them the gift of kind of validating that and showing them yep. here's what the path can look like. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. So, it was so good. It was so good. Cause you just, you would see the moment like on their faces when they realized that like they weren't some like, you know, super nerdy, like no one else is like them yeah. or whatever. And there was know, nothing wrong like with had... them. There was something right with exactly. them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So super rewarding. But, uh, cool. so I did that. I, I did that for the summer. And, um, in the meantime, doing that, I, uh, a, a good friend of mine, his brother's best friend, uh, is a concept artist. His name's Billy. And um, he knew one of the recruiters at a studio here in San Diego called Triumph. And so I sent my portfolio to Billy and Billy took a look at it. And he's like, dude, for someone who's never made a game, this isn't half bad. And I was like, I'll take it. Yeah. So he's like, let me send this to uh, my friend. Uh, she's a try on and you know, we'll, we'll have her, her send it to the guys. And I was like, all right, cool. Thank you. So this is like my first end at the same time. I had gotten a uh, interview for, uh, at the time, uh, ZeniMax Online. They were working on Elder Scrolls Online before anybody knew what it was. This was 11 years ago now, I guess, 12 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was my first interview, which was, oh man, that was, I bombed that one so hard. It was so Ooh. bad. But it was like, it was the first interview ever, right? And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I know what I'm doing. What Trust was, me. What was so bad about it? Well, so they have a... Um, being the first interview I'd ever done in the field and I, I get flown up there. I get picked up by, you know, a driver in, you know, a, a stretch town car. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if they know who Are they are looking for someone else, think, but like, <laughs> I've never even done this before, but yo, let's go. And so yeah. then, you know, I get to the hotel and stuff and, and the, the, the studio is right next to it. And so I go into the studio and uh, I sit down in the, in the room. Everybody's super nice. They're super nice. Mm. And I sit down in the room and keyboard and mouse is there. And I'm talking. I forget their names, of course, by now. But a um, couple mm. of people from design. And they're like, all right, we'll hang out. Be right back. And they come back with like 25 people. And it was people from design and people from art. And they're like, go ahead and walk us through your portfolio. And I damn near died. My God. I'm just like, 
I've never seen a game dev in my life. And now there's like a room full of them just public like speaking, beaming at me. Right. And I'm like, Oh God. And so I got through it, but like, welcome to the industry. And, Ooh. uh, yeah, that was, that was a, that was a tough one, but, uh, and, you know, I had lunch and stuff and the day went okay, but like, there's just no way with my nerves and everything else. And like, sweat pouring down my face that hard to make a from that. hard to show what you're really about in a situation where yeah. you're so it's so yeah. much new so much pressure yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and so uh so bomb that one uh while i was in the hotel for that one i was actually finishing up the design test for Tryon because they had reached out and we went back and forth and actually let me jump back a little bit so <laughs> my buddy sends stuff to Tryon. uh one of their designers greg and i i i owe greg I owe Greg the beginning of my career because without him, I never would have got a job hundred percent. So he sends me an email and he's like, Hey dude, I think your portfolio is dope. Here's some feedback I have on your portfolio. Now as somebody who's been trying to get someone's attention and industry's attention, I like lost my, just lost my mind. I was like, this is the best thing ever. So he sends me his email. I think he was on the way home. It was at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I was on the East coast. So it was, you know, it was late, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Sure. And I was like, it's go time. So I didn't sleep and I worked all night and implemented all of his feedback, tore apart my website, rebuilt everything back up, changed my levels, re-export everything, got it all done and made sure it was waiting for him at 9am in the morning oh. when he got to work. Ooh. So it's there, it's done. All his feedback Step is there. Up. And, uh, next day he sends me another email. He's like, wow, that's really impressive, dude. Like you did all this stuff. This is all great. This is that. You know, I would, you know, still work on this, 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 and this. And I was like, let's do it again. And so I just kept on trucking. And so, you know, he sent me the email and I didn't sleep and read it again, tore stuff down, this and that. So he, uh, I sent it off. And apparently like those three days of me just rapid firing all of his feedback was enough for him to go to uh, his manager, who's Craig. Um, great guy. Love Craig to death. And uh, be like, we, we should talk to this dude because like, this is an insane amount of work in very little time and he won't stop. And Craig goes, stop emailing this guy. You're going to kill him. Like he's not sleeping. <laughs> like, please stop. Just like give him a couple days and then email him back. So <laughs> long story short, they sent me a design test. Um, I was finishing the design test at the hotel while I was interviewing for Zenimax. I got a lot of stuff going on and, uh, and they take my design test and they like it. And so they're like, we're going to fly you out. And we want you to talk to the team. And I was like, sweet. We got another one. Can't go any worse than the first one. Round two. We got this. Round two. And it was much more expected, like, you know, one or two people at a time that you're talking to. And so I was like, this is a cakewalk at this point. Like, no problem. We can yeah, do you, this, right? You've been so, in the fire, man. This was nothing. Oh, man. After that first well, I'm thankful. Very thankful for ZeniMax because uh. they set me up to do well the next time because it was uh, very vigorous. So, um, so sit down have all the conversations with them. One of their uh, senior level designers, Josh, he hits me up. He's like, you want to ride back to your hotel? I was like, dude, I appreciate it. Sounds good. And he's like, Hey, I don't want to, you know, count chickens before the hatch. Everybody likes you. Do you want to go out and have dinner with us tonight and stuff? And I was like, we're in boys. We made it. We figured it out. This is, this is how it goes. And long story short, that was it. And so I got my first offer letter and then left Florida, picked up everything and came out to California to make video games. And, 12 years later, still doing it. 11 years later, however many years, how many years? 11 years later, still, still cranking wow. away. Opportunity so. plus hustle. Yeah, it is just what it was, man. Like you just, you had to go, had to go, had to go, had to go. And I'm so thankful. I still see Greg. Um, 
uh, I'll be working at the same company. I guess I haven't said anything on social yet, but by the time this goes live, everybody else will know. So I just took a job at Amazon. So mm. I'm heading over to Amazon. Word. Greg's at Amazon. And so like working with him again, Billy's at Amazon. So I get to work with him again. And so it's just like, oh man, I can't, I can't wait. So I start Monday. Today's Friday. Wow, that's exciting, so man. Yeah, yeah, I'm so stoked. I'm so excited. So excited. Oh, yeah. but, I would uh, love to ask you what well, you're working on, but I'm sure you wouldn't be able to tell me. Oh, no, I can't. It's good. Uh, so um, I super long time fan of crafting and gathering and economy. And so I've got like 15,000 hours in WoW, 10,000 hours in Final Fantasy 14. The majority of those hours have spent crafting, gathering and playing the market. Word. Um, I've, I've always loved it. Getting a gig on a system like that is next to impossible because there's like four MMOs in existence. You know what I mean? I mean, there's right. a lot. But uh, so I'm, I'm no, actually joining the New World team. To, oh, uh, let's go. So, yeah, I'm so excited. That I'm is so, so that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm super, super stoked. So um, so yeah, so I'll be joining there as um, one of their senior designers and uh, we'll be uh, taking point on crafting and gathering and economy. Well, not economy, crafting and gathering. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll be, you know, working on a comic here or there or whatever, but crafting gatherings, man, like it's a bucket. That is the like heart a, of new world, man. I, oh, I, I played it a bunch last year. Uh, what a cool yeah. game. So many cool ideas. Like talk about combat, talk about the world, talk about like yeah. the PVP and the war system, but like the crafting, yep. man, the crafting. It's I, like, I don't, I don't know who set it up originally, but I want to shake their hand because like, there's something so special about it. So to have the opportunity to go in and work on it, like. I'm going to cry to your happiness. I just I can't wait. So Monday, Monday, Monday is going to be a really good day. Oh, that's exciting, man. I'm, I'm pumped yeah. for you. I'm pumped for you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, let's, let's rewind back uh, yeah. to nailing the interview at Tryon. You're going to go work. You're going to go there to work on, is it, did you know at the time you were going to be working on Defiance? Yeah. 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 So it was Defiance and, um, you know, it was Defiance. And for those who was, don't know what, yeah, what is Defiance? Yeah, it's a, uh, well, I guess it was. No, I guess it's still live. But anyway, it was a, a, a man, third person shooter MMO RPG with a television show. And it was this crazy thing where, you know, this is basically over the shoulder combat in a huge, uh, uh, quote unquote, serverless world. Everybody would just log into the game and they had tech to just kind of put everybody together and you know it's you know go pew pew and level up and, and get stuff and whatnot. all the but, good stuff yeah yeah the interesting thing behind defines was like it was in development for about five years and i feel like 18 months until ship um we kind of threw a lot of stuff out and just started over and Oof. then built the game in 18 months and then sent it and uh i don't know there's it it did okay a lot of stuff i'm, pr I'm very proud of with it uh, I got to do a lot of level design on it um and so it was you know i think one of the the highlights of my career was I went into work for almost nine months and uh, just would log into work every day and just build levels, go home, go back yeah. to work, build levels, go home. And I was like, this is the, this is the dream. Like I'm just yeah. sitting here pushing blocks and building stuff. Oh, it was so great. Playing so, with Legos. How long before the launch did you join that team? Uh, I was there for two and a half to three years, I think. Okay. So, so, so you saw about half of its cycle. You saw a lot of the iteration right up until oh, the, yeah. okay, here's what we're doing. Ready, set, let's go. Yep. Yep, and then it was just let's go, right? And then and the team pulled it together and came together, and we worked a lot, um, but uh, cranked it out and, and got it out the door. And it was it was 
it was good. It was good. I was also at the end of that was the, the tough part because I was the <laughs> my first layoff. And uh, oh. that was when I was like, oh, God, what am I doing? <laughs> just, oh, no. <laughs> were, you, were you a survivor or a victim? No, nah, I was in the first round. And um, I was panicking because I had only been there for, you know, at the time, like I said, two and a half. I think it was two and a half years. And I was like, man, I'm still like really, really new. Am I going to be able to land another job? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went back on my instincts. And so it was a really weird layoff, right? Because they did what's called a Warren Act because they were laying off so many people in California. When a company's going to do that, you have to let people know. And I think you have to give them 90 days, 60 days. Hmm. I can't remember. It's either 60 days or 90 days. But like, hey, in two months or three months, we're going to end your employment. Typically, what companies will do is be like, you don't have to come to work anymore. We're going to pay you for the next three months. Let us know if you need any help with, you know, job placement, whatever. Um, go California. You guys can go. Yeah, right. And so it's like, it was a really cool program. They mm-hmm. don't have to do that. And Trahan was trying to ship something. So they're like, y'all are gone in three months. We need you here on Monday. And that it's time to was, crunch. <laughs> it was so like, you had so many people that like, just came in and just, you know, screwed around or whatever. And of course. I don't blame them because they were done. I'm panicking. And so I'm like well, what do I do? And so I went back to what I know. And I was like, I'm just going to keep crunching and work a bunch of overtime. And maybe I can like, maybe I can save my job. There's no saving my job. Maybe I can Uh save my job. But I got lucky because the, uh, one of the senior director, uh, Eric, uh, he came from PlayStation. And so he saw me like continually crunching, working a ton, this and that. And so he had, he was like, when I went to apply PlayStation, he put his word behind it and then I was able to kind of get in and this and that. And it was like, Hey, this guy, you know, will grind to the bone and he's a really good employee. And so it was like, once again, just the hustle, it paid off. And so, yeah. And that's how I made the jump from, uh, from Tryon then to PlayStation for the first. Yeah. Different. Someone who does good work and works hard isn't easily forgotten. Right. Yeah. And it, I just wanted to do right. Cause like, even though we were leaving, Anything that we left, like in the wind, any of my coworkers that were still staying behind, they were going to have to like deal with it. And so I didn't want to like leave a mess or anything like that. And so I was like, eh, cause like it's a, I've always said it's a huge industry. It's a very mm. small family and everybody knows everybody. Right. And you just like take care of each other. <laughs> we're basically all we've got <laughs> and, uh, yeah. guests it together, you know, and, uh, a lot of cool people in the industry. It's been great. Cool. Cool, man. So, yeah. um, to Sony after Tryon. Yeah. Yeah. So left Tryon, uh, went to Sony. That was when I actually made the jump away from level design. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, joined Sony as a, uh, general game designer. Cause okay. it was a small team, very small team. I think there was like, I went from Tryon where I, I want to say we had like 20 or 30 designers. It was a lot of designers mm-hmm. to Sony where we had three and that was it. Maybe okay. four, five. Anyway, it was tiny, but it was uh, across multiple projects. We were, a a small little team that was messing with free to play for Sony. And this was back in 2000 and 2014, I think. Okay. So before free to play was like the big thing. Right. And yeah. so a few different projects going on, uh, a lot of stuff I can't talk about, but we mm-hmm. were, you know, we were doing our thing and, and it was a lot different. And I realized that at that time, cause I was trying to get a level design gig and I couldn't find one anywhere. Hmm. Uh, that systems design actually had a pretty good demand. And there weren't a lot of people that were, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, experienced it. And so I went for it. And so when I was at Sony the first time, I focused on uh, things like uh, K 
character design, character balance, ability design, uh, economy. That's when I first like got into economy and started looking at like Tableau to figure out analytics and understand all that kind of fun uh, data points and whatnot. And so that's when I really started to kind of dive into uh, system design. I was there for three years, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then I was hit by another round of layoffs when Sony was like, we're going to stick with big box AAA titles. So, you know, that's that. And I was like, okay. All and right. they were really, really, really good about it. Um, I love my time at Sony. And from the point of the layoff forward, I was like, I got to figure out how to get back in here because the place is amazing. And so cool. they were super good and they took care of everybody regardless. And, you know, it was, it was good. So it's kind of the nature um, of the industry thing. Like people get ideas, they put a bunch of money behind it. And then years later, a decision is made and then you got to re- realign. It. And then mm-hmm. people got to go. Yep, exactly. It's kind of brutal. So, it <laughs> it's is. kind of brutal. It is. It is. Because it gets expensive. Game development is super expensive. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Sony did what they had to do. I don't blame them. Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, and like I said, they were super good. And so that's why. Yeah. Foreshadowing, I ended up back there again a few years down the road. Right, right, to... right. <laughs> Could you explain to me what system design is? Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, I usually discuss system design as everything the player interacts with that they don't realize they're interacting with. So whether it's itemization or it's progression, right? So if you're working on, um, you're playing a game that has a battle pass mm-hmm. and the battle pass has progression, right? And mm-hmm. there's uh, all the, whether it's dailies or weeklies or missions or whatever structure is tied to getting rewards to progress your battle pass. The systems designer probably touched that. Um, if you're looking at something like a battle royale, say for example, and there's a scoring system, the systems designer is probably the one that set all that up. Uh, if you're looking at a uh, MMO and there's an economy and, you know, how much money you're quest giving and, you know, right. how, you know what is the, the systems designer touches all that. So there are all these things where it's not like I played a level. That's the level that the level designer made. Like you can't like see it, see it. Yeah. But when you play a game, you're like, feels really good. I would kind of want to keep playing it. And, it's, you know, kind of that yeah. background yeah, so it's, and as a guy like you who spent twenty five thousand hours playing MMOs, plus I mean yeah. that's just wow, yeah. Final Fantasy. Like, I watch. Um, I, I'm sort of lightly connected with the the, the modern WoW retail scene. Um, I took like mm-hmm. a decade off from WoW, came back in Shadowlands to try it out, see what was going on. It's interesting yeah. to watch the the community commentary there, where people don't. I mean, they're not usually talking about the levels. They're not talking about the kind of experiences. What they're always talking about are the systems. Like, yeah. to a certain point, to a certain very dedicated gamer, the systems do become quite visible. Yeah. And uh, uh, I've always had this kind of intuition, and I, I wonder if you could correct it or verify it, that, mm. like, a system that's doing its job well is harder to see than a yeah. system that is not. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like you'll see it and we see it, um, uh, you know, from different games and whatnot, but people are like, dude, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this every day. (laughs) And like that is, there's a, there's a balance, right? There's a certain point of friction that you need there to make it so it becomes rewarding when you get to the other side. Yeah. Too much friction and you turn people off. Too little friction, there's no sense of reward and they bounce. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really difficult to kind of balance that. Now, the, 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 the other side of it is a system that works really well for someone who's super casual, maybe either not rewarding enough or too grindy for someone who's just trying to like, you know, freaking sit down for 
20 hours a day and just fly through. Like, why can't I get through this? Cause you're not mm -hmm. supposed to, why are you time getting me? Cause if someone doesn't, then in two weeks, you're gonna be like, there's no content in this game because you played it for 20 hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, it's really difficult, but you're right. Like when a system is working really well, you don't really seem to notice it. You just engage with it. You feel good about it. You know, um, it, it can go either way. Again, too much friction, too little friction. It's really hard to kind of nail it right in the middle. How it's do like you do UI. that? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, man, there's feedback, obviously. Uh, user testing can usually be like a, an early on um, uh, indicator. Uh, and then the other side of it is if there's alphas and betas. Your alphas and betas Where? are golden because like that's the first time you're going to get raw. People coming in, it's still a little difficult because when someone's in like an alpha, like a friends and family alpha, they're just happy to be there because they're in a friends and family alpha. So like, right, they're kind of oh, vibing. This game's great. All these <laughs> they already like, like you. Oh, man, this is awesome. There's an incentive like, for them to give positive feedback. Exactly. And so yeah. it's tough, right? Um, and then, so like once the game is out and it's live, if the mark has been missed big time, I don't want to say it's too late because I'm a firm believer it's never too late, right? Mm -hmm. Like look at No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is a poster right. child of how you can like turn that ship around and go the other way and then go way faster than you ever thought you could. But like the, um, it's really difficult because by the time that you get that feedback, either people have already quit or the people that are there are just like super upset now. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's, it gets, it gets dicey, but mm -hmm. alpha beta usually gets some, a lot of it comes back from, uh, data points and like very analytical, like how, you know, what's our average session length? How far are people going? Uh, you know, what's retention looking like? Um, you know, what's the engagement on like a specific system or whatever. And you can yeah. kind of get something and you got to be careful with that. Cause if you go too far, then the game feels like it was built by a machine and not by a human being. Right. But they're all pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been fascinated to understand. And I know this is like anything you could respond to, to this with would be a enormous generalization, but I'm always fascinated about like when decisions are made, especially things that seem to be binaries of maybe we should do this or we could do that. Mm -hmm. um how much of it is analytics how much of it is 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 listening to the to various parts of the community's alphas betas or how much of it is mm -hmm. just the i mean the vision of the of the people making it um yeah I, that is of all the things in the mix right analytics yeah. feedback whatever it feels like that first thing that one thing the vision is the one thing that's kind of unreplaceable in terms of yeah. being needed to do anything good. Yeah, no, it, the, the vision is, it's the hardest part, um, in my opinion, because you gotta, you have to find somebody who can hold that entire vision, drive it, and then convince everybody else to stick with it. Yeah. Even when it's like, we shouldn't stick with this right now. They're like, trust me, just stick with it, right? And so like, I think a really good example of this is Yoshi P and Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay. And just where that's kind of been over the years and where that thing is going, just in like, just in the general holistical look of it, uh, especially with how Final Fantasy 14 originally launched and then was mm -hmm. shut down and then came back. And, you know, ever since, and there's just like, you can it tell. did all kinds of things that like have never worked before. Like yeah. who else has and, hit a reset button like that? And I don't and even know. The, the arc of that game over the last few years has been incredible to watch. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's driven one by a team that really cares, but two, the individual at the helm has one hell of a vision and can stick with it and has a team who believes in the vision and can get behind it and build some stuff. 
And, you know, that usually comes from a blend of, you know, letting the team explore and have fun and do things that they want to do and then understand and then like figure out how to mold that and go forward. Uh, and the other part of it is like, homie just knows what final fantasy 14 is supposed to be. And yeah. he's going with it. And at this point, like, please keep going. Like <laughs> more of that, please. The, ga- the game is amazing. So just you, you do you and I'll just keep consuming it. So whatever you got, you know? Right. Um, and it's, it's tough. Cause like there is a level of analytics, right? There is a level of, and sometimes you got to walk things back. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy is doing, I think, their next patch. They're walking back some PvP changes because they didn't go right or, you know, um, uh, they went too far in something, which is totally fine. Uh, and I think that stuff is important as long as you communicate it. You can mm-hmm. do almost anything as long as you communicate with the, with the, with the community. Mm-hmm. If you don't communicate, then they're like, eh, why, why are you doing it? Or why are you saying anything? What's going on? <laughs> you think we didn't notice? Yeah, exactly. Are you trying to pull a fast one? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Mm-hmm. people are data mining stuff there's no pulling fast ones anymore like we can't do that anymore yeah. everybody knows everything <laughs> yeah it's a long way from like going to magazines or or news websites oh, yeah. for screenshots right yeah no kidding yeah man okay yeah Social so it's really important to have a key vision um yeah i think i and this is maybe dithering a little more so if this doesn't interest nah. you please please no nah, no nah, but uh, I think I've read somewhere, I wish I could put a, a name or a face to it, but something about there being some video games that are made in that way, like the revitalization mm-hmm. of Final Fantasy with Yoshi P with a strong vision holder. And some games mm-hmm. that are kind of made in a different way. Oh, I remember who it was. I was talking to uh, Alan Lapidus. Um, hey, I love Daybreak. Alan. Right, right. Yes. Um, he does. He's the best. Yeah, he's, he's a cool he's, dude. Yeah, he's super talented. And he was talking about, and um, I think it was because of his experience working on the EverQuest IP. I think maybe where some of this mm. came from, where some gotcha. games are made in in a different kind of way, where there's not like one big vision guy. It's kind of like more of a collaboration, mm. more of like a yeah. let's come together. Has that been your experience too? Like what? How, mm. how do you, you think that? What do you yeah. think about that? Um, maybe it's too vague of a question. No, 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 no. I... I think the most of the projects I've worked on have had somebody at the helm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first go around at PlayStation, it was definitely more of a collaborative effort. Everybody on the team kind of had input. Everybody was like going back and forth a bit. There was still somebody, you know, a design manager, a design lead that was there. Um, but you know, there's that was a little bit more. Uh, yeah. PSA PSA was a bit more team wide as well, honestly, um, because like, well, I had an idea, and we'll get into this eventually. But well, I had an yeah. idea of like what I wanted the game to feel, or how I wanted to look, uh, in a way, what vibe I wanted it to have. Mm. I had to lean into the guys that were there, you know. Yeah. Um, you know what they were was, excited to do. Yeah, Burness and Cabmo, and uh, you Word. know the guys on the who knew planet side because they had been there forever working on planet. Yeah. like who was i to tell them how planet side should work yeah. nobody like i may be able to tell the vibe of it or like how i may want it to look or you know if i'm working with the composer like what do i want the audio track to sound like or mm-hmm. how do i want you know sound effects in the game or whatever it may be but when it came down to like to the moment to moment it was like y'all gotta help me out because if i'm just going on my own we're 100% getting Halo, I guarantee it. 
and I'm guaranteed <laughs> people can be very irritated. If people are going to like, wait a sec. Did you think we weren't going to notice? <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, and we had a lot of, a lot of really good conversations back and forth where I want to do something. And, you know, they're just like, can we figure out the spirit of it? And, and I feel like we did a lot, but like, that was, I think an example of like where it's a blend of, this is what I really want to do, or this is what I think we should accomplish versus like, can we, or should we, or mm-hmm. how do we do it? And then mm-hmm. it goes beyond that, but I'm, we'll, we'll get into PSA deep dive in a minute. So, but a lot of the other projects I've worked on, there's always been somebody at the, at the helm kind of steering the ship and uh, whether, you know, people on the team yeah. will give feedback or insight or whatever. Um, it hasn't been so much, uh, it wasn't like what EQ sounds, I was never on EQ, but where it was like everybody in a room, like, Hey, what should we do next? It wasn't, didn't really have that kind of a vibe. Okay. Uh, the projects okay. that I've worked on anyway. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I appreciate the insight. This is all fascinating stuff. I'm really going to get to PSA, I think, before too long. But we have, I think, some very interesting stuff to tuck into first. So after PlayStation, after you were laid off from PlayStation, layoff number two, uh, what happened next? So big industry, tiny family. So when Tryon started the first time, it was basically SOE 2.0 because a bunch of people from SOE left. They wanted to do something new and different. So mm-hmm. they went and they started Tryon. Mm. When Tryon folded, a lot of them went back to SOE. I went to PlayStation. PlayStation folds. Who do I know? Whole bunch of people at SOE. Yep. Or what, what is now Daybreak? And so uh, I had a, a good uh, engineer friend of mine. We'll just call him Drew. Um, he uh, gave my uh, resume to um, the one and only Andy Seitz. And uh, Andy dug the resume. I was like, hey, talk to Drew. I'd like to talk to you. Let me know if you have some time. And I was like, I got nothing but time. So <laughs> let's have a chat. And so, uh, and that was kind of the, the start of those conversations. And then, I don't know, it was very quick before I knew it. I was working at Daybreak with Andy and, and the guys on, at the time, was an unannounced Planetside game mm-hmm. way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and am I, was, uh, yeah. am I misremembering to think that you, you worked on H1Z1 for a little while? Oh, no, no, not at all. You are correct. So how does that fit the, in? Uh, so this is, I've talked about this, I think super lightly, but when I was hired <clears throat> at daybreak the first time, this was 2016, 2017. Okay. One of those years, H1Z1 hadn't taken off yet. And so I was actually hired for a Planetside game. Uh, it was dubbed Planetside oh. Mercenaries. Okay. And Planetside Mercenaries was Planetside Battle Royale. Now, this was Planetside Battle Royale before H1Z1 had ever taken off. And so the studio was already working on another BR game before they realized they were going to have success with the first BR game. Huh. Um, and so we were working on a whole bunch of different stuff, some pretty cool things. Um, smaller team, you know, you know. And I think that's one of the things I want to speak to real quick. I know everybody wants Planetside 3, like 100%. We'll get into that later. Who the hell, who wouldn't want Planetside 3? Planetside 3, if it's anything like Planetside 2 was, it's one hell of an investment because it's a lot of people over a lot of years for a whole hell of a lot of money, right? And so Daybreak was very much, let's keep the teams tight. Let's keep the teams small. Let's see what we can do, you know, under reasonable budgets, right? And we're not going to go throw 20, 30, 40 million dollars at something because that's mm-hmm. a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, you know, we'll do something small. And so we were working on 
what we called, you know, plant-side marks. And it had a lot of cool stuff to it. H1Z1 started taking off. All those resources on H1Z1, we got success. And let's just dump everybody onto this thing. And so we, you know. Gotta go with with what's hot, I guess. Yeah, you know, I had been there for three months, four months. Mm-hmm. And they needed help in the the level design department, and I was like, "Let's, let's go. go! Sign me up! Let's build some levels." <laughs> Little did I know, it was actually moving couches and cleaning up trash to get performance up and make it so people could go through buildings easier. But I didn't Glorious. care; I was still having fun. Glorious. Yeah, it was fine. And uh, and so I did. I spent, I think, like six weeks, eight weeks, going through a bunch of POIs, uh, cleaning them up so you could like navigate buildings better. Um, and so we were doing that and then they needed somebody to lead the systems side of H1. And then, so, uh, I ended up taking that. And so I got lead systems designer and took over all the things in the background, uh, gas mechanics, loot distribution, mm-hmm. how people spawn, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, and so I worked on that for uh, a few years, uh, and then came the super famous combat update. Mm. That thing went out. It's a three-hour discussion on its own. Can I um, ask you a little bit about that, it? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm curious about it. In, in part, I'll be honest, selfishly, because it has like echoes yeah. of uh, a similar thing that happened in the in Planet Side Two uh, with mm. uh, the combined arms update. Um, mm. okay. It seems like uh, my understanding of 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 that update was that there was an an, an interest in refreshing the moment-to-moment combat experience. And yeah, it was it was excess ex, making making it more accessible. Maybe maybe where you can start this is I hear you being somewhat reluctant to jump into this. What, what is that feeling? Like it's it's because it's just, there's so much, man. There's oh my goodness, there's so much crap there. So like the the con it's it's weird for me to say it. I feel like the combat update came from a good place. Okay, right management wanted to make the game playable by more people and have more people play the game, right? Okay. They, just, they wanted to expand the brand. They wanted to build it, right? Everybody's like, oh, why'd you do that? You guys just wanted to kill your game. It's like, no, that was never anybody's intention. Mm-hmm. The issue was H1Z1 had a very, it had character. You shot a, yeah. an AR and it freaking went side to side. There was no vertical recoil. It was just pure horizontal, right? It mm. was awkward. It was different. Um, it was a result of a bug. If I remember correctly, somebody thought that recoil was uh, additive and it was multiplicative. And at some point there was a zero in there. And so it just zeroed it out. And so the thing <laughs> just went left and right. Uh, I'm pretty 99% sure on that one. And, but people dug it. And so it stayed, right? And yeah. So and it, and it becomes part of the flavor. It, becomes, it goes into the walls. Exactly. Of the place. You build around yep. it. Yeah. 100%. Right. And so the game is out for a few years. People are used to it. Can't change that. But if you want to make it so someone, because like, you know, PUBG started doing its thing. People would play PUBG. The guns felt normal, at least normal enough where you like, you know, click the mouse button. You're like, oh, yeah, this I understand this. Uh, and so there was a question of like, let's do this. Um, and so that's kind of where the whole thing had started. And so it came from a place of wanting to grow the brand, mm-hmm. wanting to get more people in the door. Um, unfortunately, it, you couldn't do it at that point. The game had been out for too long at that mm-hmm. point. You know, and I, I, I've always said this, like once you ship a game, you have a handful of weeks where it's still your game. After that, it's no longer your game. It's the community's game yeah, because like 
like it's theirs, right? They're getting used to it. They're memorizing how things work, this and that. And now you got to work with them with how you want to go forward. And there's an extent, right? You know, expansions and DLCs or whatever it may be, where you still have like a lot of creative yeah. freedom. Yeah. But like for the moment to moment, like, could you imagine if like Destiny had an update tomorrow and you can only jump like six inches in the air? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, or like their 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 core combat changed. Like they didn't have any abilities anymore. Got rid of the oh, power goodness, grind. Man. Torches and pitchforks, bro. Like it's coming out. Like you just can't you can't do that. You, you can't, can't change it like rewrite that. Rewrite the agreement to that extent. No, you go make a new game. Right. <laughs> Although Destiny is an interesting example of that because they uh, are vaulting huge amounts of their content that players have paid for. They they sunset yeah. a whole bunch of gear that up till then was usable indefinitely. They they yeah. made a line in the sand with their community that didn't make them very popular, but they're they're going yeah. on in any case. They're, yeah, and they're I mean it's I I'll always say and I've I've got friends on the on the Destiny team, uh, and I'll never understand it, but I don't know why we have a Destiny two. I don't know why the hell it wasn't just Destiny one continued. I'm guessing I think it was around the time of uh, I think it was around the time that Activision owned them. So if I had any guess, again, hey, y'all need to ship a new game, and so that's what happened. But I'm grateful because um, I mean, and we got a PC release. And I'm I'm, I'm a PC true. guy. No, it's true. It's true. Um, but I bounced so hard off Destiny two the first time. I was so mad. I was like, bro, I'm Ooh. in the tower. There's the vault. Just let me get my stuff. Like my like I just played this other game for like 600 hours. Like the vault, it's right that just. It's a little insulting, right? Where's my? Oh, can I have an emblem? An emblem? Something? Yeah. Anything? Yeah. And and, Just, and it's this. And then now, years later, they've re-released so many of the old stuff from Destiny One, yeah. and Destiny Two. And yep. For someone like yeah, me exactly. who never played Destiny One, it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, um, let me watch a, vi- we were, a video about Destiny One lore. It's a, yeah, it's, it's we like were, a, it's a fun thing. But for someone who who was there, it's like. Come on, dude. man. Are you serious? We were doing like day one races for raids in D1 and stuff. Like we were, we were hardcore, like full sending. And so like, you know, when they, when they just threw the baby out with uh-huh. bathwater, we were all just like, put our, all of our time, you know, yeah, it is what it is. I play Destiny 2. It's a great game. I love it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. They've done a, a, just a great deal with it. It's really and, impressive. Um, it is so, it's just so good. It feels good. It sounds good. It's an easy game to kind of just like jump into and just enjoy for a little bit. You don't have to like, you can, you can note life it or you can be a super filthy casual and either way you can enjoy it. And I think that is just, just, it's uh, It's hard uh, to do. It's so difficult to pull off and they do it so well. Yeah. But anyway, that's my destiny rant. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. But um, I I could talk more about destiny, but uh, let's, let's get back to, uh, Thing you don't want to talk about the combat update mm-hmm. so yeah and i mean it's, go ahead yeah no go no nah, no nah, go, ahead, go ahead go ahead i was, I was just gonna, gonna kind, of, kind of try to frame my understanding of it so far um yeah stiff competition coming into the royale space yep. we didn't know yep. h1z1 royale was gonna be because we're gonna catch no one knew that nope we got something here okay let's put some people on it what can we do with these people oh let's Let's take it up a notch. Let's make this yep. better. Um, yeah. But maybe not understanding, and who did understand this back then? I don't know, five years ago, that yeah. the point you you so brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly put about once something is in the hands of the community, it becomes as much or more their game than, than the Vision guy's game, who's making yeah. the game, uh, who's building it with their own hands. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, at the, at the time we had some, 
uh, direction or creative direction shifts and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, someone comes in, they're, you know, given the keys, if you will, as a creative, you know, direction on something. They want to put their mark on it. They want to put their, you know, make it, make it theirs, which is totally understandable. And that's hard for a live game unless yeah. you're already, you know, a huge fan of the game or you play it a lot or whatever it may be, because you're going to want to do all this different stuff and you can't because at the time, hundreds of thousands of people at a time are playing it and they're doing mm-hmm. their thing and they're enjoying it. Right. And so it's like, it's a really, really tough spot. I think to put somebody in, um, and, uh, yeah, it was just kind of bummer, kind of a bummer at the end of it, but yeah, the team stuck it out, did the best work that we could do under the circumstances, try to make something you were proud. I mean, on the, the systems update for that, for their combat update, I think that's when we got out the new loot distribution, the improved gas mechanics, and there were a lot of wins in, in there, right? The, mm-hmm. the combat itself was something that people really honed in on combat and movement. Mm-hmm. You know, there was <clears throat> one of the big things like with H1 was like, it was crouch spammy, right? You just spam C and you, and you go crazy. Yeah. And, you know, there were, uh, there was a desire to smooth out the combat. So people weren't just doing that. Right. Mm. Um, and so it went through a whole bunch of iterations, whether it was like a fatigue system and a bunch of others. Sure. A bunch of stuff. We'll just leave yeah. it there. Okay. Uh, and that's where like a lot of the negativity, like people couldn't move the same way that they used to. They weren't shooting the same way that they were used to. Mm. Um, you know, the, the bullet mechanics themselves, right? I mean, it went from damn near an airsoft gun to, you know, something that was uh, modeled after, you know, actual ballistics. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Feeling if you've ever played consequence, yeah, if you've less you arcade old, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. A hundred, no, a hundred, exactly. Exactly. Arcade is perfect. You ever played old H1, you shoot somebody across the room and you're aiming over their head. Cause there's so much bullet drop. Like it just like falls out of the gun. And then with the combat update, it was like, there's someone clear across the map and you're like one pixel over their head and you're getting them. And people mm-hmm. are like, dude, what, like, where's the skill gap? And you get a whole skill gap conversation about skill oh. floor, skill ceiling. Anyway. Um, Friction. But it, yeah, it was made a lot easier, but then bloom was added. Right. And that was a huge thing for, you know, cone of fire and bloom. They're like, there's a guy across the street. I have a pistol. I can't hit him because my bullets are going everywhere. Now the game is based on RNG. Like it is just an absolute cascade of all these things. And, Man, it was a nightmare. <laughs> At the end of the day, people just didn't want new Coke. They wanted old Coke. Yeah, they just wanted old Coke, dude. And they just wanted to play their game and, you know, click heads. Well, I guess click three feet over a head to <laughs> drop the bullet into the head, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. The beautiful mechanics of clicking heads. Yeah. Amen to that. That's so it. speaking of clicking heads, um, yeah. I'm sorry, were you about to say something? No, 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 no. Go for it. Okay, so how did... How did um, work kick back up again on the Planet Side project? Yeah, so so H one was doing its thing, not doing its thing. However, you want to look at it. Yeah. Okay. And um, and Andy had uh, started this little like rogue team, if you will, to work on mercenaries again. Like, hey, like let's let's get this going. Let's like get this that. back up again. Okay. And I was still on H one Z one. Uh huh. Uh. I was not doing well. My health was terrible. Um, huh. The stress, just the constant, like it was bad. It wasn't I good got for to you point, to be in that spot. No, no, it was, it was very unhealthy. I got to a point where I went to the doc and he's, uh, he's, you're having stress related heart palpitations. You <laughs> need to take time off work or you're going up in the hospital. Cause I cared. Like I just wanted to make it right. I just want to do right by whatever. And it, like, it was just a mess. And so finally, I think it was after that deal, 
uh, Andy had been like, you know, come over, come over. And so I was like, let's go. And so dipped on H1, went over and uh, started as, you know, lead designer on, on uh, uh, PS, what do we call it at that point? PSBR? I think it was PBR. PBR. Yeah, Absolute ribbon. There it is. Um, and, uh, but, uh, so yeah, so we, you know, we were working on what was mercenaries and it was, you uh-huh. know, our spin on, on quote unquote battle royale. And it was great. And I think to this point, that was the best time in my career. Okay. Because there, there were, uh, I think eight of us. Yeah. Uh, and since H1Z1 still had, you know, activity, the company was still hyper-focused on H1Z1. Mm-hmm. And so the eight of us would come into work, do our thing. Nobody would bother us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually one of the, the I, I always had a lot of respect for Andy, but because uh, he, he's an executive producer. Okay. They're always in office. They're always in offices. They have uh-huh. their own thing. Uh-huh. That man sat in the pit with everybody else. Didn't care. Had no office. He just like you know. You just he was sitting right there, right? And so, it was cool because like all of in. us were in like yeah, all of us were just in this big cube making this game together, right? Uh-huh. And it was super collaborative and just we just we want to make something dope. We want to make something different. That sounds really fun. Um, and it oh, it was so good. That's it the was dream. So, so good. We were at the very start really to be part of the vision. Yep, and it was great. And so you know we started doing design documents and figuring out what we wanted to do. And, you know, the big thing for me was like, we have eight of us. Mm -hmm. Let's not reinvent the wheel where we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Sure. And, you know, we were, we were working in, in forge light still, because obviously he's plant aside and all that. Yep. Uh, I would build prototypes using, you know, uh, I don't know if I can say that. Can I say that? I don't know if I can say that. (laughs) We'll just say different engines. Cause it was quicker and easier for me to work in. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, just to show people like, this is what, you know, what we want to do. And then mm-hmm. we'd go build it in forge light or whatever. Right. But we'd just take examples from other games. Right. Like if you took a, like there were a lot of learnings that we made from H one that I wanted to do. And I knew we couldn't do there cause you can't change that game. Like what? So for example, if you took a look back then at Fortnite, cause Fortnite at that time had been out and kicking yep. and you just look at their loot. Mm. And you've got this super holographic, you know, green or purple or orange. And like, it's, there's a purple. I want to go get it. Yeah, exactly. And so I couldn't do that in H1. Yeah. Can't make an, like, you know, an AK or an AR, like purple, like, oh my God. Oh, I could only imagine what would have been said, (laughs) but we could do that here. We had the free, the freedom, right? It's sci-fi. It's something new. Mm -hmm. It was like, if it was like a huge breath of fresh air to do whatever the hell you want Mm -hmm. to an extent. And so, you know, uh, things like loot and this and that. And so we wanted to do that. The other thing that we realized with H1 and, and some of the things that we saw, you know, people were like, man, I just want to drop with, you know, my stuff or, or have what I have. And that's when we got rid of no loot and we started giving people loadouts. And so you like, you just pick the guns that you wanted to and you upgrade them through the match. Right. And so there were a lot of these kind of decisions that would like come to, you know, fruition and, and, and polish. And so we were and, working on this thing for, and how much of that, how much of that, I mean, you were saying earlier about like the way games yeah. are made being more mm-hmm. kind of vision defined or more collaboration defined mm-hmm. that you learned a lot from the planet side old heads in, in, in the room. Yeah. I'm guessing that that process yeah. is one of the, one of the main things that's happening here is you're like, well, I want this. And they're like, well, this is what planet side is. Yeah. And it, it's like, so a lot of their stuff would come down to 
the moment to moment. Like, what are the things that make Planetside great? Yeah. What is what are the elements of combat that we can't touch or that we don't want to mess with or like that we want to keep familiar, you know? And so, well, I was like, you know, a kid in the candy store over here with like, what do uh -huh. we do with loot or you know, how are we going to set up, you know, the uh, the uh, the mode structure and all these other things and this and that. When it came down to you know setting up specific weapons or grenades or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. like, hey. What are we doing here so we don't completely screw this up? All right, it still needs to feel like Planetside. Can you shout out any specific examples? I'm so curious. Uh, so one of the biggest ones was actually the orbital strike grenade that we had in uh -huh. PSA. Uh, and I remember, God bless him. <laughs> I remember when we went off about this first time, uh, Burness was just, he was just like, he was like, what are you guys doing? Like, you can't <laughs> put an OS on a grenade. Like, he was just not having any of it, right? <laughs> And and Andy and I are like explosions, bigger explosions. Yeah, man. So, and so we went back and forth, and we ended God up. Bless us. I love him. I love him to death. <laughs> um, he he then he has so much knowledge. Like it is ridiculous the amount of stuff that guy knows. But anyway, huh. and so the um we ended up with a grenade that was much smaller than what we originally asked for, but still felt planet side enough to pull off and have in the matches that we wanted. Right. And if it wasn't for him, would have probably ship something super broken and just ridiculous because mm -hmm. it would have been the original, like bigger explosions, like speed and damage. So, you know, the OS, the OS grenade is one of those. So grounding, really... grounding the just, idea yeah, into the IP. Exactly. Okay. Because it wasn't just the planet side stuff mm -hmm. like Bernas or Cabmo or I mean, Andy, even to an extent, they understood what it meant when you had a thousand people in a place. Yeah. You can't get that experience anywhere. Like that's not, I worked on defiance. I think some of our biggest things had 200 people maybe, mm -hmm. but you get the, the battles in planet side. Like, Oh my, like I saw a clip this morning mm -hmm. and it's just freaking got a bastion. You got freaking mosquitoes. There were people on. God, I saw that man. one. Dude, it's just like this guy's like oh. like come back for the first time after years, and he got into yeah. a turret and and watched <laughs> just, a, a bastion battle. Which those are so fun to watch, dude. It's great, right? It's it's Hollywood. It is just Hollywood happening in front of you, and it's, like nothing else does it. It's it feels like side. being in Star Wars, being in a Star Wars yeah. battle. What it looks like. Yep, hundred yeah. percent. And it was all those elements that I had no, I had no ground to argue. I had no ground to be like. No, this is how we should do it. So when those guys said something, better listen. Yeah. I don't know what the yeah. hell I'm doing when it comes to that. You know? And you like let's do this thing, you know? And you are the kind of and, person, based on your earlier anecdotes when you were interviewing, where you're thirsty for feedback. Yeah. Like I just we I wanted to make sure we did it right and make sure that we weren't doing anything. You're never gonna get it all right. But when it comes down to the, you know, the moment to moment, or it comes down to get it right where you can. Mm -hmm. And when you get it wrong, it won't feel as bad. Makes sense. And, you know, uh, you know, ultimately, and we'll, we'll get to the why, the big problem with PSA was the game mode. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted Battle Royale. But in, when we were making PSA, and I guess we're about at that point in the timeline, so we're making PSA and making Battle Royale. We're all feeling fine about it. There's a little bit of us that's like, eh, BR game, I guess, whatever, Fortnite's out, PUBG's mm. out, H1 is still doing this thing, but I guess another BR, it's fine. Um, Call of Duty came out with, uh, what was their first one? Was it Black Ops 4 that had the BR, their first BR? That sounds right. 
I think so. Which blew everybody's mind because like, yeah, you guys made maps with like six people on it, and that's all yeah. you could ever do. And how the hell do you have a beer? How on do you do this? But they did. Yeah, and yeah, it worked. And so they pulled it out. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, we're still sci-fi. Um, we're the only one with three-man squads. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot. We've got a lot going for us, right? And then, damn man, <laughs> went to work Monday morning. Turn on the computer, boot up Twitter. What's up, Apex Legends? And I went, you've got to be kidding me. And here comes this game. No one had any idea it was in development. I didn't no know. one had no, just no, like, and I remember the whole team is just sitting there, like, watching Twitch, just like, we're so screwed. Like, we can't compete with this. Like, there's just no way. Like, there's, there's, I think at this point, 12 of us. Yeah. We've been working on this game for like a year, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. And then there's Apex that has this like massive launch, huge streamer playing it. And they've been involved in development for the past four or five years or whatever. Yeah. And we're just like. Huge long development cycle, probably 10, 20 times more people working on it. Like, I don't know how many people are on the Apex team when it launched, but if I looked at it and I had a guess, I'd say 100 to 150. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a incredible it is but like when it launched it was an incredible game mm-hmm. like no hiccup at launch no one was getting locked out of it like it just worked mm-hmm. and we're just like how the hell are we supposed to do anything like we can't because we were supposed to i think we were we were getting ready to announce i think we we're getting ready to announce like two weeks later about a three-person battle royale and then here's apex and we're like well huh yeah this sucks yeah, no, and they how we're gonna do, and they've taken the idea of classes and turned them into characters and heroes. Yep. The colorful loot. A lot like, of the every, same like, ideas. Yeah, it's just all the same stuff, right? We had no, Sci-fi. and it was like just. It was like my desk is falling apart. That's how depressing the story is. But like, the. Uh, so what do like, you? What do you then do? What are your conversations like at the office? It sounds like you're not, you're just processing as a team. Like, oh, yeah. You just, you're, you're sitting there, you're like, on Sunday, you're making a cool project with a, with, with a modest team that should, yeah. that should have a niche that, that, will, that will be workable. It's a yeah. fun, creative process. You think there's going to be some appetite for it. And then, and that, that knowledge is based on an understanding of here's what's been made. Here's what player, what gamers can play now. Here's what our competition looks like. And then on Monday, that completely changes. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we sat there just in, like I said, in in awe. It was like all the things that made us unique and different were no longer unique and different. And now all we had was, we no longer had a planet side battle royale game. We had a planet side sized Apex Legends without the engine without the polish without 150 or whatever people behind it mm-hmm. you know 12 months in and uh it was just like a, what the hell are we going to do now because like you can't compete with that yeah with such a tiny little team and you know what i mean it was just like there was the sometimes you can <laughs> that game and to their credit that game was just so good and the launch went so well. Yeah. And it was just, it was well designed. It ran great. Had, you know, 
it went wicked viral. I remember we were sitting there just looking at the Twitch numbers and that thing just like rocketed straight to the top, you know, and it was just like, well, what do you guys want to do now? <laughs> and those were the conversations that, that started. And then some really good conversations happened uh, okay. because that was when we, and this came from a lot of the, you know, the, the hardcore um, planet side guys on the team, mm-hmm. but you know what to do this and that. And that's when we started to shift away from planicide BR, PBR, PSBR, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it, mm-hmm. and into arena. And it was a, well, why don't we just do multiple game modes? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, well, I don't think we even had the name yet. Uh, but I said, let's make, let's make Halo on a massive scale. And we can do, because like Halo hadn't come out with anything on PC Right. You know, it was, you know, it was just chilling on an Xbox. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I played a good, you know, capture the flag game on right. PC or territory control or oddball or any of that. And so like we had this huge library of ideas that we could like pull from or be inspired from. And a shooter or modernized. Just out of shooter. Like exactly. Yeah. Right. And so like we had all this stuff to work on. Um, and then, you know, we started kind of talking back and forth and I was like, well, what what else did we really really like? And we all loved Battlefield twenty one forty two, and we all love Titan mode. And mm. we're like, what if we just do Bastions instead of Titans? And like we had a massive twenty one forty two as like the first kind of deal. And, and so that was what some of the things we started looking at, and started doing design docs based around the stuff, and started getting you know the team was getting reignited you know we were getting excited again because we do these things and so then we had to have the questions with exec like we need to pivot we can't make a br game we can't you know yeah we can't compete with these guys or anything like that and for you know the executive team that's scary because now you've got you know a year and a half of development time sunk into this thing and your team's like we want to turn around and go a different direction and you know whatever and uh so it was a lot of conversations and at some point, I can't remember exactly when, uh, it's all kind of fuzzy, but you know, we got the green light and we started building it. And so, okay. you know, the guys started kind of cranking away and we started doing our thing. And I, I still don't know what happened. Um, I don't know why it went back, but we went into work on one Monday and it was just one of those things like y'all are making a battle royale. We're like, well, what about this other thing? I'm like, nope. Make a battle royale. That's what we set out to do, and it's what we're comfy with, and that's what we're going to do. And I remember... Just finish you know, the job. The, yep, finish it. And so Road News team, team wasn't happy. You know, they were happy about this other thing, and it was a really, really rough time because now there was this rift. But, like, in in game development, they're... Like I said earlier, right? It's super expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. It's so much money. And so I, I try to... Like, like you're growing up and you wanted to go to the arcade or whatever. For those of you who are old enough to remember those things, I probably just dated <laughs> the crap out of myself, but you wanted to go out with friends or whatever it may be. And, you know, you would hit up mom and dad and you're like, Hey, I want 10 bucks. I want 20 bucks. You know, let me borrow some money. But now you're saying, Hey, mom or dad, can I borrow 10 million? Can I borrow 20 million? It's a way different conversation because that's essentially what you're asking for. You're like, we have these ideas, but we need $10 million to make them come to fruition will you give me 10 million dollars 
no one in the right mind is gonna give me ten million dollars. I mean, look at me, right? And I got colored lights everywhere. And like, not gonna uh-huh. happen. Anyway, <laughs> but like, it. and so like, those are those are the the conversations that you have to have, and you have to like convince them to give you, you know, seven or eight figures for all these people to work on this thing that you can't even guarantee is gonna work or what's not gonna work. Yeah. It's a risk. And I don't, gamble. yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that people forget that, right? They're like, oh God, why would this game company do that? Because like, it's just, there's so much yeah. money at stake. And I hate to make it like, sound like it's all about money, but like for a non-creative driven executive, it's a business. They're yeah. here to make sure X people can remain employed. They can pay their paycheck. Mm-hmm. They can feed their family. They can turn profits for shareholders or whatever it may like it's a business right they're not there because they like you know sci-fi rifles not and explosions diving in, yeah. into their money bins there yeah you gotta yeah. be able to pay people so that they can make a living to work to work on yeah. your stuff and if you can't do that then i mean that's yeah. that's a bare truth right there and yep it, and it, it 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 only feels like a business like uh like when i think on, on the gamer side of it the the, mm-hmm. the kind of business kind of like well you know, maybe they're they're you know uh, cutting corners, and maybe they're you know trying to get by with a skeleton crew. Those kind of discussions happen when we see things that don't look right. It's like, oh, yeah. let's go. What's kind of going on? What's going on? But there? when yeah. it's going right, though, no one talks about it. Funny, no one, no one talks talk about the business it. when things are going right. Yeah, because yeah, you don't care. You're playing your game. You're having fun. And, and things are and on. ostensibly the business is growing. It's succeeding. It's yep. hit. It's doing what it needs to do to stay in the background, like a good system. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, you know, the decision was made to, to go back to BR and I'm guessing that, you know, H1 through its ascension and then descension placed some fear into taking risks or making changes. So it was like, let's not change all this and let's just kind of keep going the way that we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, then we went back to work and started working on, you know, what would have been PSA with the idea that BR would be the first mode. And then we'd okay. have these other modes that would go with it, right? Because like, Where did that idea on... come from of it being the first mode? Well, it had to be, right? Because they want us to make a BR game. But rather than just make a BR game, well, we'll, we'll have modes, right? Well, we yeah. still do what we want to do. BR will just be one of the modes. Yeah, makes sense. I think the, um, the question in my mind, and yeah. sorry if this is pressing too much, but no, no, is, along with that comes the assumption that there will be more than just BR happening here. And yeah. I wonder, like, is that something that was commonly understood and agreed upon, or was it just sort of an expectation in the air? Like, where does that land? Um, no, I feel like it was it was pretty agreed upon. Was, we'll launch the BR. We'll work on other stuff as well. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we'll get the BR out there and then get the other things out there that we wanted to do. Um, maybe start a little bit smaller than the, the huge Titan mode or whatever. Um, and then, you know, work up to it. Right. But the, 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 the goal flag, from, like that. yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And the goal from my side was to allot the runway to get to the point where we can make the thing that we wanted to make. And mm-hmm. so maybe we have to make BR for now, whatever we can make a BR game. Sure. As long as we can get ourselves enough room to then make some other stuff and we can, we, the thing that we needed to do at that point was prove to the planet side community that we weren't just making a BR game. Cause if we only came out with just a BR game, it's DOA. Like it's not going to go anywhere. This isn't mm-hmm. what they want. Like mm-hmm. there's just absolutely no way this is going to fly and look what happened. Right. And so, you know, and so we did. And so we, we took a look at the BR and there came with a whole bunch of 
I think, issues as well because I was like, hey, we saw what happened to H1 as soon as population dropped. Lobbies took forever. Couldn't get into games. You get into a game yeah. that was half empty. People who love like, it can't love it anymore. Can't love it anymore. And I was like, if we really want, and this is one of the things why I wanted to do, you know, the the other modes a bunch. If we really need to do this, this needs to be like a drop in, drop out battle royale almost. Because mm. I can't sit there and wait for a thousand people to freaking queue up for a mode. I'll have like three modes running. Like, because the thing is, yeah. is, and I for, I forget the math off the top of my head. But I, I want to say that you take your game mode and you take the number of players it requires and then you multiply that by about 50. And that's how many people you need playing that game mode in order for a BR to kick off, right? So if you had a BR of, um, you know, 100 players mm-hmm. and uh, you wanted to make sure that those matches were firing off quickly, mm-hmm. you needed about 5,000 people playing that one mode on that one server you know, in that region at that time. And then you'd have quick matches that would kind of kick off, right? That was the mm-hmm. math that we ended up working out. Makes sense. This plant side, we don't do a hundred. Mm. We're looking at 300 or 500, right? And so now I'm like, you guys, you guys want 15 or 20,000 people per region playing this mode? <laughs> I don't know what you guys are on. PS2 doesn't have that many people playing it. Like, no, like and that's one mode in one region. Yeah. Unless this goes viral, this shiznit is dead on arrival. Like, this is not going to happen. You have to have drop in, drop out, because if it's only one and there's a thousand people playing it, then you have three matches going and the game feels full. Right. There's nothing worse than playing a game and going in and having it feel dead. Right. At that point, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's over, right? Yeah, if you think um, it's dead, whether it is or not, by the way, if you think it's dead, yeah. for you it is then it is right and so we could not bank on these huge modes that had to like queue people up and then send them in um that's the rough because was, that is the trade of planet side that's what it's always made headlines for you ask a random in, ass like, battlefield out. guy yep. have you heard of planet side what do you know it for oh big battles i guess big battles you know yeah. and like you go you load up planet side you pick a server you go play somewhere you drop in and it's craziness because everybody's playing in the same damn spot yeah if, yeah. you know, if everybody was like One in a little instance, yeah. like it, it wouldn't work out. Right. And so there were, there were a lot of complications that came with trying to do a BR to this scale. Um, and, uh, and that's why we really liked those other modes. So um, how, be, how did you, you want to, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was just saying, so they could be drop in, drop out to make all how, that way easier. How would the drop in, drop out have worked? So what we were thinking of at first, uh, was essentially like, cause we wanted PSA to be super uh, accessible. That was the other thing too. Like, you know, with uh, Apex, they like the whole revive system. There were so many things that were the same. I was uh-huh. like, bro, do we have a mole? Like, is someone just like feeding it out? Like, this is crazy. And uh, it came down to the fact that, you know, like-minded people have like-minded designs, but it was just, we wanted people to stay in and alive in Planetside Battle Royale as long as possible. Okay. Because you need a lot of people to make it feel like planetside. And if three quarters of your lobby's dead in the first five minutes, that's not planetside. Cause there's like 10 people left. And so the idea was if people join in, then they can just like drop pod in mid match or whatever. Sure. They may not have the right gear or their gears not upgraded, but they can come in in the middle of a match yeah. and get some scrap and stuff. So and they have a disadvantage on. because they're joining late and they don't have the, mm-hmm. the accrual of the gear and whatever, but they also have an advantage yeah. because they didn't have to have all the gunfights to get there. 
all the gunfights to get there. And so maybe they're picking up scraps or maybe they're doing whatever. Yeah. Um, and then after a certain quote unquote wave, then that lobby would get locked out and no one else could join and it would come to a, you know, a, a resolution and people would join the next lobby. And so it was like this battle royale where people could join into a certain point because like, and with the drop pods and stuff, like you could see when someone's coming in, there's a freaking drop pod screaming through the sky. Like there was no mm -hmm. missing it. It wasn't like, well, this guy parachuted behind me. I didn't see or hear him. Like a drop pod just came in, dude. Like it makes a ton of noise and damn near blows up on impact. Like you're not missing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and so that was, you know, uh, one of the things that, that we were kind of looking at to make it more of a continual versus your standard battle royale, queue Makes up a sense. whole bunch of people and then let them go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What else? Um, but yeah. And so, you know, so we started looking at, at that and, uh, then we started looking at a bunch of how does the gas work? That was another huge thing that was tough because we yes. didn't want to do, oh, the, uh, the, the narrowing the circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Exactly. We we tried trash compactors like squares, and we tried a whole bunch of different stuff. Trash compactors. Um, Star Wars. Yeah, that's what we called it because it was like it would basically come in on the sides and then come in from the top and then come in on the sides and come in from the top. Um, <laughs> and oddly enough, believe it or not, it got really tricky because there something would happen at the corners of the zone and uh -huh. it would get super jacked and it would break. But mm. who would have thought that a square is much more complicated than a circle? Um, that's fine. But uh. We were just trying a bunch of different things. And uh, so ultimately, you know, we had uh, what was PSA. Um, and uh, by the time the community saw it, and by the time, like, we had pivoted and then pivoted again and then pivoted again. And at one point, it was uh, box price, and then it was free to play, right. and then it was box price again, and then it was free to play again. And, like, you can't design a game as a free-to-play game that then box and then free and then like it just kept swapping back and forth so much right because they were mm -hmm. trying to and again to no fault zero fault i don't blame it i don't blame it at all how do we mitigate as much risk with this in terms of money mm -hmm. because we've spent so much on it already how do we recoup our, should it be a box price or should it be free-to-play the argument was well box price is going to make it harder for people to cheat because if they get banned, they're going to buy another copy and it's way less likely to cheat. If you got to pay for copies mm -hmm. uh, Two, uh, retention is much better when you have a pay to play game because mm. someone spends 20 yeah. bucks. They're already invested for $20. Thanks, they download it for free. If they're pissed off in two seconds, they just uninstall it and they're gone. Right. Right. Because there's it's the cost no, of bandwidth. Know. Exactly. Right. Um, and so like, those were, you know, a couple of the big things where free kind of what you need if you really want to get thousands of people in on launch on day one mm -hmm. to fill these huge matches unless you can be sure that you know um you are compelling enough to drive all these people in sure. uh and then sure. the other side of it was still apex legends had just come out not you know and they're free was apex free too yeah it was free yeah it's free you know um and so you know there's a lot of it there now um I forgot where the hell I was going with that. But so, you know, we launched, it came out. It wasn't Planet Side 3. Everybody uh -huh. wanted Planet Side 3, you know? And and that's a huge thing. And that's and I don't blame anybody. I don't blame anybody for that at all. Because like as a fan, you're sitting there and you're like, what is this? Where the hell is Planet Side 3? Mm -hmm. Why do I have a BR game that and I hate to say this, nobody asked for? there's at least one person out there. Someone out there said, I wish Planet Side had a battle royale. 
at least one person. I've talked so to creators clearly, about yeah. this, like diehard Planet Side guys. Be like, like a, a Royale and Planet Side would be really fun. Yeah. Like they don't. The idea of it isn't the problem. It's it's all the, all the uh, how do you implement it? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it, the it just it wasn't it wasn't PS3, you know, and and I think that was a, a big thing, and so. It was tough, you know, when we when we got that going and we started things rolling. Um, so how and, important and we had launched? It sounds like if I could just pause there for a second. It sounds like yeah, yeah. Like in your mind, the opinion of the planet side community, which is not necessarily people who are playing the game day to day, but who have played it, who know what planet side is, who are somehow mm-hmm. still as if there's a part of them inside them that this has planet side like way in, in the dark corner in the back of their brain. Like yeah. it was really important to you to speak to those people. It is a planet side game, of course. Yeah. I guess there's like as as a fan, the question I, I remember asking myself at that time, well, is like, okay, a battle royale for planet side there's not, there's only like two thousand people playing Planet Side too. How can they make a battle royale game and is that gonna eat Planet Side too? Like there's a whole bunch of like as a fan what should I be expecting from this? It was a little confusing. Yeah. In fact, if, if if it had been a totally different IP, um, I mean, obviously it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been uh, as interesting to the planet side base, but I think it would have been more understandable. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's it's. The number of people who are playing planet side versus the size of the planet side community. Mm-hmm. Are vastly different, and it was right. one of those. Is this something that can reinvigorate the planet side community? Not who's playing planet side two, because those numbers are way different from each other. Right from PS one and PS two, and all the people who played PS two. Like, PS, I haven't played the, planet know, side two in like probably four or five months, but I still keep up with it. I still, still watch creators exactly. making videos about it. I'm still interested in it. Also, also probably load it up on a random weekend because. Yeah. You know? Like there are so many great games I want to play, Planet Side being one of them. But time is like <laughs> time's the problem. Yeah, time's limited. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, I can't remember how many uh, how many actual like players are in the Planet Side community. But it is you know it's millions, millions and millions of people that are in that community. It's huge, a huge, huge community. Mm-hmm. And so there's this question of you know can people be reengaged in the Planet Side if we give them something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem was one, what was made, uh, two, there was no, there wasn't a budget for some huge marketing spend or anything to right. actually raise awareness to paying all the people who are interested in planet side, but aren't following planet side. Cause those are two completely different people. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, it's, that's just a totally different, you know, demographic of, of individual. Um, and so there wasn't that done. So what did you end up with? You had a game that the people who are actively playing Planet Side didn't really care about because for the reasons you just mentioned, is this going to eat in my game? Do I play this or that? Like mm-hmm. these things are conflicting with each other. What the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not Planet Side 3. So do you know what do heck, what, what do I do here? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, those are some of the, the real big uh, issues that, uh, that it faced. Uh, and that was after all the stuff with, you know, Apex coming out and, you know, eating yeah. our lunch. Yeah. Just killing it when they when they launched and when they released. Uh, Fortnite continued to be the insane force yeah, that it is in that it's, space. It's, it's, like, it's that insane. Thing took over the world, you know. Yeah. Um, well, the and, world is working uh, on it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
the amount of content they pushed through that game is amazing. It's nuts, dude. Um, and then you know, while the, all that's going on, PUBG still doing its thing. Yeah. Call of Duty comes out with like two battle royales. Mm-hmm. Battlefield comes out with their own battle royale. Then there's that talks of you know Halo coming out with a battle royale, and the city only BR they're going to have is the battle rifle. But we'll see how that goes for now. Uh, for now, exactly. You know what I mean? And so, like, there was all, and like, by the time we were able to get to market after we took our pause after Apex, mm-hmm. it was so saturated. It was just, it, yeah, you know, I was trying to, you know, we were trying to climb Mount Everest in a t shirt and shorts. Like, it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. we were not equipped to deal with any of that. Um, so, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, like the writing's on the wall at this point. It feels yeah. like what what happens next? Yeah, so you know, um, and this is—I don't want to say it's funny because it's actually really, really sad. Uh, throughout this entire time, like H1Z, Planetside Mercs, H1Z1, Planetside Arena, you had this tiny little corner of the building, right, that has like freaking rel in it, working on Planetside Two, and it's just like somebody. For the love of God, notice me, please. I just need like a few people. Somebody give me something. <laughs> Jesus H Christ, what is going on? Damn it! Like, and it, for years, I can imagine right? him was like, like He's gazing just, out oh. into it, being like, <laughs> "Dude, sorry, and go so, on, please." No, it's you know, and like I, uh, bef- you know, I, I knew of the Planet Side Two crew when I had first started. Yeah. Um. Didn't interact with them, you know, a ton. It was just everyone was super busy. One reason or another. For yeah, some reason, in game studios, when you have like multiple teams in the same building, there isn't as much cross pollination as you would expect. For I don't know, I can't explain to you why there just isn't. Like you're nice to each other and stuff, but you're never like, hey, dude, what do you do? Like it just doesn't happen. I don't know if everybody's just so damn busy that you don't take time or whatever. But mm. um, or just awkward anyway, game devs doing yeah, doing just, what, what they do best which is not necessarily uh you know being a social butterfly <laughs> socially interacting exactly <laughs> um and so throughout this whole thing rel is just like just trying to get some traction for some meanwhile like you know you hear stuff about the planet side two community giving them crap or whatever and i'm just like mm-hmm. if you guys only had half a clue you'd stop talking and you just you know give the mm-hmm. man some respect so if you've given rel crap apologize because he's worth it um but uh and so he is worth it he is I've, worth it. he's a good I've dude the, he, he i've had the great cares. pleasure right he does genuinely care i've had the great pleasure yeah. of interviewing him a couple times i'm sure we'll talk again like yeah this is a guy who cares a dramatic amount more than i think probably anyone else in the planet side community yeah ever <laughs> maybe yeah. and no, uh I, he's this guy who puts I, it, Who's, who's put himself on the line. I've heard some of the stories and for this, this thing and he doesn't get loved for it. Yeah. Cause people don't know. They have no idea. And I think that's one of the hardest things about being a dev is, is people see what comes out. People will read the dev blog. Maybe they'll watch a Twitch stream, but there's so much more that goes on. You know, um, I won't, I won't speak to super specifics, but like I have seen him get heated with executive management over stuff in the game. Mm. And like we were, we were in one meeting. I remember sitting there, I was sitting on a couch next to him and we're going back and forth about something. And I could tell he was getting irritated. And then he just leans forward and puts his, his elbows on his knees 
and just goes at it. And I just, it was one of those where I'm like, here we go. And I just leaned back in my seat and he just went for it. And it was like, cause he was just passionate and he cared and he had had enough and he just had to get it off his chest. And I'm just like, please don't get fired. Please don't get fired. Please don't get fired. And he was just letting it go. And it worked because after that, he's had more control. He's been able to do what he wanted to do. And I feel like the last, you know, two years of plants have been pretty damn good. Uh, he's got it's resources. Been totally different as a fan. Totally the last different. Two years and compared I, to I, before that. I, I blame that moment as one of those ones because he had just had enough, you know? Um, yeah. And like I said, it gets tough because you'll see people give him crap. And it's like, y'all don't know the half of it. You don't even know the quarter of it. And I know it's easy to sit there and think that you do. Um, but like, he really does care. So anyway, shout out to Rel. Don't stop being awesome. There you That's go, Rel. <laughs> any other good, any, any other, what, you, you, you had to work with him a little bit, right? After, our, after oh yeah, our, yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. So, are we so, skipping ahead so, by the way? Like, is, is there that? like a big moment? Like when things finished with arena, like, was there like a, how did, like, did it just sort of peter out and die? Or was there like a moment? No, it, it was, it was kind of petering. I was in denial. Um, <laughs> I worked with, uh, Kevmo. We got the, the capture the flag mode out. Finally got my capture the flag mode out there. Yay. And, uh, it just didn't, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Which was, it, the game, the game was toast at that point, but I was still trying. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, you know, the, the big takeaway for me on, on PSA, um, there were like, I think a few really key, one was the early game when it was just the, you know, eight of us or whatever. And we were just having fun, like pinnacle of my career easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, the next one would have been, um, the art style. So Nick, our lead level designer, and this is what I was talking about earlier when it comes to a lot of collaboration, we wanted to make the forge light engine not look so dated because mm. like, planet side is a great game. Planet side gr graphically. Feel a little, a little old. I don't think, oh. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, right? It's, it's a geezer um, out there for a decade. Yeah, exactly, right. And so we want to do something. So, so Nick came up with this idea, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he worked with Alan on this, and uh, or maybe it was James, and uh, to to come up with the art style for for Planet Side Arena, right? Which uh -huh, was uh -huh. pseudo Borderlands esque, but not really, but cell shaded the to color. an extent to give it that clean look. Yeah. Uh, and so that was another one because I felt like we got that engine looking the best that it had ever looked. Like some of the screenshots, the, the stuff that Alan did with the skyboxes was phenomenal. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like, and the color was there. It was, oh, it was so good. And cause we had, there were a few things that we had figured out on the design side where I was like, Hey, I'm seeing the same feedback from every BR. No one can see anybody when they're far away. What can we do about visibility? And so, like, mm -hmm. there were a lot of goals with the art style just to, like, help that out. And, you know, so, you know, Nick was working Silhouettes, on Silhouettes, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I know art style is always super subjective. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And so that was, like, one of the other big things. Uh, and then the, the last one was um, the, um, oh, my God, I can't remember. I don't remember the name of it, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> the hell do we call it jesus basically the sparrow from destiny oh the the, bike. the i can't think of the name of it either dude the the jet bike yeah i gotta google uh, the game i was lead designer on how in freaking oh my god 
Yeah. Javelin? It's called a javelin in Planet Side too, right now, because it got it got ported over. That yeah. wasn't what it was called in Arena though. No. You gotta be kidding. Was it the Tempest? I don't know, but Tempest. I, it was the Tempest. It was in one of the promotional videos. Yeah, it was like one of our main things. So yeah. it was cool. Yeah, so so I'll never forget it. Uh Troy, he was a designer. He came to me one day and he's like, dude, we need a hover bike. And I just yeah. laughed at him. I was like, bro, we can't do a hover bike, man. This is Forge Light. And I was like, I'm going to tell you what. You go make whatever you want to make. And if you can make it well enough, then I'll give it the green and we'll put it in the game. And he was like, prove really? It. I was like, bro, just prove it to me. I don't care. Like, you're passionate about it. You believe in it. I believe in what you want to believe in. So go do it. So he figures out some crazy weird way to use the vehicle system to do things it's not supposed to do. And he gets this quad that doesn't have any wheels on it floating uh -huh. and kind of bumping into stuff. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. He's <laughs> like, yeah, dude, I'm getting it. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, all right. Beautiful. Man, my word. Keep on trucking. Just and clutch so it in there. He, he did. Right. And so he got it far enough to the point where I was like, can we get you an engineer to get you some engineering support? Maybe if you add some code, you can do some more stuff. And sure enough, he was able to take that thing all the way to something that, that felt it, it's forge light. It had its issues, but um, it was one of those things where it was like a perfect example of something that I never would have considered because I figured we didn't have time or we didn't have tech. Or we didn't have whatever, but I realized that somebody was passionate enough about it to go make it happen. And he did. And to his credit, like thing was a ton of fun mm -hmm. and it, it went right in the line of, you know, one of the other things, which was for the battle royales, you know, an H one, for example, and you would always run around, try to find a car. And if you couldn't find a car, it sucked because you couldn't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, now we had this map in planet side that was freaking planet side scale. It was freaking huge. And so was the last thing I want somebody to do spend 10 minutes trying to find a quad. So, Hey, Realm Royale was out at the time. Another Battle Royale that came out. Mm -hmm. Realm Royale was out. They had a horse that you could just summon. I was like, why don't we just summon this thing? And mm -hmm. so, and that's kind of what it, you know, what it turned into. But there were a lot of, I think, really cool individual uh, wins um, uh, in in PSA. Even the 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 Bastion that you would spawn into when you were running around, like before the match and stuff. Mm -hmm. Burness put that thing together in a, a tool that was not supposed to do that at all, and basically. If I remember correctly, he like was assembling this thing in like a text file. It wasn't even like world editor. It was like coordinates and points or something. I can't really remember, but it was one of those <laughs> he was like playing with once the deep magic. Yo, yeah, like once it worked, it was like nobody touch anything <laughs> because I don't know what's gonna happen. But a wizard to create this? Well. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're a wizard. Like, yeah, absolute black magic that that man freaking pulled out of you know where in order to get thing to work. I was mind blown. That's I was awesome. like, oh yeah, I just edit my text file real quick and I'm like what? <laughs> anyway. But uh there's just a lot of stuff like that where like people were super creative to get things to work. And because they wanted to. They wanted to see it work. They wanted to see it come to life and like that was like the exciting part about it. That must feel it really gratifying. Like, Sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go for it. I gonna say that's that must be very gratifying as someone who's leading the project. Oh, to absolutely. be able to be the person to, 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 to enable people to get the wins that get them excited. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it, like at the end of the day, especially in that scenario, it was 
you know, a bunch of people who had worked on Planicide or a bunch of people who had 10 or 15 years in those tools. Yeah. I had been at the company for two and a half, three years at that point or something. Mm-hmm. Who was I? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Maybe I had some ideas and, you know, maybe I was the one that, you know, Andy wanted to, uh, you know, lead the project from what I had learned on H1 in terms of like BR and stuff. Because again, when it started, it was Planetside Mercs. And so it was supposed to be BR. Yeah. And so my say Andy history was something. relevant. Yeah. What's that? The old, the old Iron Sights had you in his sights. He saw something there. He did. He did. He, he may. He may. Maybe. Maybe be the reason why I'm going to Amazon. But. I wondered. Yeah, he's he's a that's legit. That makes me really happy. I'll, fo- I'll follow that man pretty much to the ends of the earth. Oh, I have man. more respect for him than he has any idea. I mean, he may know now because I mean I've said it before though. But uh, no, he is. He's a good person. He's a friend, and okay. uh, and I love him to death. So, but uh, it's just one of those things. Like you know, I had the experience where I had it, and I can lean into that experience for what I, what I needed to. But uh, those guys had so much more knowledge than I did. Mm-hmm. If I were to ignore it, like that thing would have freaking burnt harder than it did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? A, yeah. It's a fool um, to not accept good, good help, good advice. Yeah. Foolish. You know, it, plus it's about being collaborative, right? Mm. Like I'm not, I'm not there to be like planet side, a carto story. Like that's some BS. Like we just wanted to make a cool game together and that's all it was about. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to draw what I'm sure is a wildly unfair and in non-equivalent comparison but you brought up yoshi p (laughs) some time ago and i think like in order to do what he did Mm -hmm. for final fantasy requires an enormous amount of buy-in at all levels right i think the thing that's sort of more visible to gamers and people who are you know uh stalking reddit is where where he inspires people below him to do great work and he holds the vision and he communicates to the mm-hmm. community as sort of him down but it's the him up that you don't see where he can get the buy-in from and that's not something that he has control over that might just go away one day and there might be a decision that gets made for whatever reason that sorry yoshi p you, you gotta make a battle royale yeah and that's just it you just never know right because until you're the one signing the paycheck because at the end of that, like, people are just coming out, well, why don't you just do do whatever? And I was like, look, let's say that you had a job at Target, all right? And you worked in the electronics department and you walked into work one day and they're like, hey, we're going to take everything on all the shelves and put them on different shelves. You're going to tell them no? No. You may be like, dude, why are you wasting my time? Why do I have to do this? This doesn't seem to make any sense. But at the end of the day, you're going to move what's on what shelf, mm-hmm. even though you may not agree with it. Mm-hmm. So until you're the one signing the paycheck, it's just one of those things you got to understand. Like, and it's tough, but like the best thing you can do as a, you know, as a dev is you voice your opinion, keep it as professional as possible. Sometimes passion comes in, in front of that and that's totally fine. And if you're overruled and you know, the decisions made to do against your, your, uh, your wishes, and you do the best damn job that you can. And that's all you can do. And then hopefully you get another shot to do that in the future. Because like, it's not my money. It was their money. I was just there. It was my job. Play yeah. the hand you're tough. dealt. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you, you try to make the best hand that you can and you pray it's a good enough hand to win the game. But in this market, that's a very hard game to win. Ain't easy. 
80s. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, so the final days of Arena, any yeah. anecdotes to share or is that it's pretty much just this one day? It was like, okay, we're done here. Yeah, so like the, the team little by little um, started to peel off and started to work on on uh, Planet Side 2 again. And mm-hmm. go back to that way because planets and it's so funny to me and I, again I, I say funny with bated breath rel is asking for people for all these years yeah h1z1 comes and goes planet side arena comes and goes all the other projects inside of daybreak either come up or go down uh-huh. rel is still trying to get some freaking just love and attention and then all the way to the end of the final days what's still around and what still needs some love planet side two is just sitting there I guess we could work on that, huh? And so Rel finally got some love and attention. Way too freaking late, but uh, I guess not way too late. The game still it came out wrong, but it could have been earlier. Attention. It was it was it wanted been. earlier, dude. It should have been way earlier. But the um, and so yeah, so some of the you know some of the people started working on on Planet Side Two. I, if I remember correctly, like it started like we started splitting time. You know, spend a few hours down Arena and spend a few hours down Planet Side Two and kind of go back and forth. Mm. And then uh, I think the big push was for the escalation update. Right. And that was when I was like, all right, so here's the deal. We have this bastion from PSA and we want to do something cool and awesome and crazy with PS2. So PSA didn't do what it was going to do. Company's announcing the shutdown. Let's go all in on PS2. And it's what we did. And so, you know, that's when we moved over. And if I remember correctly, at that point in time, we had... I think there were 18 of us on PSA, PS2 together, and like all in all, all encompassing. I think that was about how many people we had. Uh, and it was the biggest team that Planet Side 2 had seen in five years or mm-hmm. whatever it was since I had started at Daybreak. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, four years at that point. And, um, and so we started working on PS2. And it was, at first, you know, it was tough for me because it was just like, <sighs> PSA shouldn't have been what it was, damn it. Like, this, this isn't how You still felt should've... shitty about it. How could you not? I did. Yeah, and and I think it was tough because, you know, there was a... You're still in the building was, where the thing that you got excited about got dashed against the wall. Got dashed against. And you and, still got to you know, show up. It didn't Ugh. didn't go well. You know, it was, oh, well, you know, you guys didn't make a good game or whatever it was. And it was like... Did someone say that to you? To yeah, like, oh, man. It was, anyway. But so, and that was oh, tough. Oh, I'm was sorry, tough. man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry was, that, like, and also this is sort of an echo of, uh, how things ended at H1Z1 for you too, right? Where yeah, there's this yeah, big was... thing and a lot of feedback that went the wrong way, and yeah, yeah. It, that must have been really again, difficult. It sucked, but it was what it was. And yeah, yeah. you know, when you're a dev, you're just kind of thankful to have a job. And I try <laughs> to think about like the worst day of my life. I'm still making video games, so it's still a pretty big W. So, yeah. you know, you have a Not series of Not installing windows. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just suck it up and then you, you push forward. And so, and that's what we did. And so yeah. with, with PS2, um, <laughs> I remember Rel just being really, really awesome because I was just like the, the lead designer of his other projects. I was just like moving on to his project. And he was just like, he was very, very courteous and very, very kind. Um, really? And it was like, you know, so what do you, what do you want to do? Cause obviously I wasn't going to leave that project at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and that's when I actually got back into level design. And so I started working on, and I was the level designer for it again. And I had a ton of fun and mm. it was just a really, really good time. We did, 
the desolation map. And then um, for uh, the next uh, big update, you know, I started doing uh, work on Esmir and whatnot to get the new facilities and stuff in and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. And so the transition at first was rough. Um, I don't want to say that my my ego was bruised. I was just bummed. I was just down, you know, yeah. like PSA, you know, did its thing. Uh, and then, you know, we all ended up on, on, on PS2 and restructured some stuff, worked some stuff out and, uh, and then we just started having fun again and that was good. And then, so yeah. and then I worked on that for eight months, I think almost mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. And then I found my way back to PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, remember that's kind of how, mm-hmm. how PSA, yeah, that's that how PSA kind of ended and the transition over to, uh, PS2 started and it was amazing. Because for the longest time, Rob was always like, if you can just get us some resources, we can do some stuff. And then we launched Escalation, and then PS2 is as healthy as it's ever been mm-hmm. in, you know, like, the history of PS2 sans, like, the first few months of launch. Right. Like, it just came back so hard, and he was just like, I told you. <laughs> it's just one of those things. And so That was, yeah, that was a super exciting moment for the community to be like, yeah, it what? was awesome. Planetside yeah. is supposed to be on life support. Like, what is going on yeah. here? Yeah, and it was just, it was, you know, it was, and it worked out really well. And so okay. that update went well. The community reacted to the update really well. Mm. I think the Bastions, the way they were put in and the way they were implemented was just like, it went really well. Um, just the, the content that was turned out from it, it was just ridiculous. It's kind of crazy. You can make uh, Bastions work. like. It, yeah. Like they're not, they don't move like vehicles. Like I, I imagine there's quite a lot of long nights of people trying to figure out how do we, how do we even get this thing to work? And maybe some text files from Burness. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So the, the big thing with the Bastions was the collision. Moving collision is a huge pain. Mm. And Forge Light is not young. And so you can imagine. And so, you know, there was, uh, I don't know if he's on social media, so we'll just call him Chris. Okay. But he was a uh, tech director. Uh, Ottenel helped out a lot as well while he was on. Uh, he was big on H1 and he helped us on, on uh, PSA, PS2 for a bit. Okay. Um, but uh, they did a lot of magic to get an old engine to do things it was just never designed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting the Bastions, you know, driving them was always going to be one of those things like we can't drive this like a normal vehicle. It's too big. Having something that big moving with any kind of quickness that it's not happening. It's just going to cause all sorts of, right. of issues. And so then, you know, the, the, uh, what do you call it? Um, the implementation and, and, and how it ended up going was all just kind of somewhat a result of a limitation, but at the same time, I feel like it ended up turning out pretty well for its size and its function and what it, you know, the role that this thing is supposed to, supposed mm-hmm. to carry out. And mm-hmm. so, and it did. And, you know, we, some of the launch trailers that and the community was nuts absolutely nuts just the amount of support for videos and people showing up for play tests in order to like fill the skies with you know aircraft and this and that like right. it was really really cool and you know it's one of those things and I, I h1 had a great community as well um but the, the the planet side community just hits different they just the way they showed up in force i think the big thing for me was i remember like h1z1 trying to get people organized for a play test mm-hmm. it's freaking impossible mm-hmm. and i don't know what kind of setup the leaders in the Planetside 2 community have over their communities, but 
y'all are orchestrated. Like, oh my, like people did what they needed to do and people listened. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is impressive. <laughs> like this doesn't happen. Like, Hey, we need everybody over here. And then everybody would just kind of move. And I'm like, how, what? <laughs> it was so impressive. So yeah. whatever y'all are doing, keep doing That's it. Cause the beautiful thing about the planet side scene is because the way just, it just happens to be that the way the game is made, like these communities form around, around, yeah. around small groups of players that become big groups of players. And they have their own internal organization. And because you want to get 48 guys from here to there and you want to win the fight, there's a whole bunch of communication and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and I, I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, I'm not working with, of playing with a, a couple of them. Uh, shout out to Bushido mm -hmm. Way. Um, I know that they also have done some play testing. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's, was, it's really cool for you to call out is that being very noticeably different when it comes to this community. Oh, dude, night and day, night and day. I'm just, I, I remember sitting there just like watching it all happen and just like my mind is being blown. And I'm just like, Andy, why are all, like, why is this working? And he was like, it's a planet side community, dude. And I was like, this is, this is, this is awesome. That's cool. <laughs> It's just like I love. I was that. so getting ready to freaking like herd cats or something, but like it was. And I'm I'm guessing all you know everybody leading each one of the individual, they were herding their own cats, but oh, it yeah. never showed to us on our side. And it was always like yep, no problem. And then it would happen, and I'm like, damn, call me impressed. Cool, cool. really freaking rad. <laughs> yeah, man, that's good. Planet side community, it's different. It is. It is. You know, it's it's one of those things, and you know, and people from H1 still pop in all the time too. And people from planet side two pop in all the time. Just say what's up or, you know, whether they're popping yeah. in the stream or whatever. And it's, it's cool to see those familiar faces. Um, and you know, as a dev, it gets tough at times because some people can be very negative and very toxic. And, you know, I went through the whole phase of, you know, death, death threats and doxing and all that other kind of crap. And, you do your best to to let that stuff roll off because there's a lot of really really awesome people in the community right like so like from from uh you know the h1 days whether you know flame hopper or grimmy or piney or you know it's all, all of them that I, I met over the years and then friends of friends and friends and like they make up for it as well and yeah it's just it's i get if you're one of the people in the community that's like super dope and it's super chill vibe thank you keep doing you because y'all are the reason we get through all the negativity because like you know it's it's one of those things people don't go to the internet to give praise they go to the internet to yell at you yeah so every now and then you get someone that's like yo this is awesome thanks and you're like that comment's gonna carry me through another three weeks i appreciate you and we will continue to march on <laughs> take a screenshot of that so but, uh, yeah. you just mentioned like having your stream on having people pop in i feel like we yeah. totally skipped past the your decision to start streaming. When, when did oh, that, yeah. When did that happen? It's one of the, I remember the first time I did, I think that it's still the hardest thing I've ever done, but uh, 24 hour streams, they hit different. You've done a few of those? Yeah, I do. I do one per year. I do it for uh, Extra Life. The, oh, that's um, cool. The fundraising thing. And yeah, we, we start normally on like 9 p.m. on a Friday and we go till 9 p.m. on Saturday. And uh, -huh. uh it's crazy how just the energy of doing it keeps you going. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, once you like, once you get the ball rolling, like you just full send, you just keep on trucking. <laughs> That's amazing. I've not, I've never done that. The longest, actually, uh, I've learned about myself, uh, that the, the, the longer I usually engage with video games, like the less happy I am. Like I need to, uh, 
I need to keep my sessions kind of like two two hours, kind of like my ideal. Three hours is, can oh. be okay. Um, yeah. But uh, streaming fun. is a different beast. Yeah, the, it's 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 fun. It's the, the sense of community, and you know, you, got, you can feed off energy from chat and stuff, and you just kind of keep rolling, which is great. Yeah, it doesn't even um, need, need to be a game necessarily, right? It's all about yeah. being in there in the moment with those people. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've done. There's been nights where I've went to fire stream up for playing whatever, Astroneer or name anything else, and uh, we'll get on the topic of like computer hardware, and then before I know it, like a three and a half hour stream is behind me, and I haven't played a single game. We've just talked about computer hardware for like three and a half hours and what cases are people using and what CPUs and what do we think is coming up next? And what do we think about prices of GPUs or whatever it may be? And just go down that rabbit hole. And it's like, well, it's 1am guys. I'm going to bed. That was a good stream later. <laughs> nice. Nice. Just, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess to get to the, the, the question from um, before, you know, how did I get into streaming? Yeah. Um, uh, it was H1Z1. The community was, I felt like really hungry for answers to relatively basic questions. The uh, community team was doing just an absurd amount of stuff anyway. Because, uh, you know, I mean, the community team at, at Daybreak had H1Z1. It had Planetside. It had EverQuest. DCU, like, it had all these different things that they're working on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like we get the same, like, 30 questions. So why don't I just stream? Someone can come in the stream, and I'll just answer it. And then they have their, their answer. And so it, your idea, you know, you saw yeah, it. It's like, it, yeah, I just, I figured it'd be helpful. Right. And, you know, put a face to it. And Had you uh, ever streamed before at that point, like dabbled in it or. Okay. Nope. No, never, never even. It was funny before H1Z1. Um, the idea of Twitch baffled me. I was like, who the hell would watch anybody else play a video game? Just go. Uh -huh. this, this is dumb. And then, <laughs> but it's funny, right? Because like I grew up with forums, always on forums. Uh, and it was always that sense of community. Yeah. I didn't realize that with Twitch and then I started doing it and I was like, this is like a live forum. Like yeah. people coming to chat, not only saying hi to the streamer, but saying hi to each other and like talking about, you know, day-to-day -day stuff. And I was like, this is really freaking cool. Like, holy crap. I can't believe I ever doubted it. Cause it's not about the game. Yeah. The game may be what brings people there yeah. to begin with, but then they all come back for each other. And like in that community aspect, it was freaking rad. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I started with just to answer questions. Right. And then we got into a bunch of, a bunch of other stuff. And then Autonel, he started doing the same thing. He started streaming, um, and he would run his cheater beer sessions where he would like, you know, be banning people and stuff. They were cheating online live. And I started doing that. We had a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, <laughs> people juicy. would complain about, uh, hit reg. And then I do like clip reviews and be like, well, this is where you shot. This is where your reticle is. Oh, this is so why you hot. missed. That is hot. Yeah, I love that. It's just like back and forth, you know? That is fun. Because like, it was so much fun. Because people would come in and be like, your game sucks. Look at this clip. How did I miss? And then like, you play it and like, I'd load it into Photoshop and go frame by frame. But like, this is where you pulled the trigger. Yeah. The reticle is nowhere near this guy's head. You missed because you missed. And then they wouldn't say anything and it'd go away. <laughs> uh, giving had, shit back to yeah. a community of gamers who are perhaps all too comfortable with talking shit. There were, you know, there were some. There were some where it was uh, very much desync or very much hit reg. And uh -huh. there were issues. And then, and that turned into actually a pretty cool bit where working with some of our engineers, um, people, I was able to get a thing from our engineers. 
and people could run this thing on their local machine and it would record their gameplay, but it would record it in a way that a tool I had could then debug it. And so they would like send me their recording uh-huh. and then I could load it into this thing and you could see bullet, uh, you know, bullet uh, origin, projectile path, where cool. it hit, hit cool. boxes. And so like I could go in like slow-mo and see what was going on inside the game. That's neat. And we could see and we could understand like all these different things that were capture happening. Capture the desync errors and see what the and outcomes are. Capture it all so we could see it. And like, so we can understand because it's so difficult. And I, I think this is a pretty, pretty big conversation. It's so difficult because, and I mean this in the most respectful way. I'm, pro- I'm going to catch flack for this. There's so many people out there that swear to God they're Shroud and they're just not Shroud. Like Shroud is Shroud and that's why he is who he is. And I'm sorry. But like, there are so many people who swear up and down that they're just like, you know, they're shroud, and um, they're not. And so it's very difficult because you get all the time where people will be like, "There's desync, there's mm-hmm. hit reg, game sucks, weapons are broken," and you can't tell like, is it genuine? Yeah. Did they just miss and they have different expectations of what they're doing? Are they a golfer and- blaming their clubs? their poor performance yeah dude i used to do it i was i golf when i lived in florida and i went out and spent a bunch of money in clubs and guess what i still sucked at golf but like it was what it was and um and so this tool was really helpful in letting us see what was actually going on we can like Mm -hmm. dive in and be like oh well hey in this instance yeah like i don't get it like dude's head hitbox is there that path is going straight through i don't know why i didn't register Mm-hmm. Now we have an event, we have logs, engineers can pull the logs, they can look into it and find out. Get That's into the holy those. grail right there. Yeah, it was like awesome. I, it was awesome. I have a, was also I'm not a, in the gaming industry, but I do, I'm in the software industry. I work at a startup mm-hmm. and I'm on the customer team. So a lot of what I'm doing is hearing anecdotes of this crazy thing happened with, with the thing. Can you help us understand like what's going on and why? I'm So much of the time I'm just like, I don't know. And well, I guess you need more than that. You need something in order to help translate what they're what they're saying into something that one of the engineers, which I am not, can actually act on and analyze and stuff like yeah. that. So the job ends up being about those kinds of moments where it's like, oh, uh, we need this kind of tool or this kind of software to capture these specific things and what does that need to look like and how can we give this to our community and. It's really cool that that was sort of catalyzed by your your streaming decision. Yeah, because like we just wanted to see what was going on, and like it was always like trying to solve a puzzle without all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And it was tough because like, and I think the the esports side of H one put a different light on it as well because it was so hyper competitive. Oh. Everything was always under wicked scrutiny, even more so. Right. And then we'd have you know tournaments and the showdowns and then this and that, and so everything. And like at the end of the day, like it's in Forge Lite, an engine not designed for this whatsoever. Your favorite engine. Just making it work. Favorite engine. It, it, I'll give Forge Lite credit. Can I we like say one nice thing Forge about Lite. Forge Lite? Let, let, let's pick one yeah. nice thing about Forge Lite that we like. <laughs> Thinking. <laughs> no, no. Um, the, <laughs> The thing is the thing with Forge Light that is that is incredible. It is the scale and no one can 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 debate that whatsoever. Just sure. the sheer scale that no one else has been able to pull off. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, they're like, Oh, look at us, you know, Battle Royale, you know, we have hundred people or hundred and whatever people, and it's just like 
here's planet side with Hold world records beer. you know 1300 yeah. people on a map or whatever like that 100 people that's really cute like you can't get close can it do the other stuff no unfortunately yeah but like it can yeah. do that and it can do that really well i think lighting lighting is another thing that actually forge light can actually do pretty well as well you sometimes oh. you get some of those sky boxes that alan's whipped up and you're like damn dude like that looks really good he's like yeah lighting is pretty good in this uh, but cool. it's what you know when it comes down to little stuff you know the textures or geo and stuff like that that's obviously where it starts to kind of fall short yeah um but uh but forge light does pretty well there i think the other stuff for forge light too uh some of the tools are actually quite decent um they have the ability to uh, update quite a few things without needing to uh, do, obviously, you know, client patches can just do server uh, server updates. Some things mm-hmm. you were actually able to update on the fly. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some good Hot points fix. to Forge Lite. I think the big thing with Forge Lite is just it's super old and they haven't had, you know, dedicated graphics engineers to upgrade the core of the engine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and All these things days, when so much rides on visuals, it just shows yeah. the stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Forge Lake does some things well. Uh, some things. Some it things does. not so well. And it's been around for yep. a while. A little bit. Yeah. And you know, I think the other big thing with with Forge Lake too is, you know, a lot of people have asked for, you know, can we get community servers or whatever? There's mm. a lot of the security bits that are embedded in the servers, which is why I'm pretty sure anyway they won't actually give out community servers because that's just kind of like opening the floodgates for source code and everything else. Yeah. It's kind of all, you know, integrated or whatever. So yeah, this isn't the nineties stuff. stuff. You can't give yeah. away your servers anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, okay. good time. Cool. So what were we talking about before the, the forge light uh, tangent? Uh, I think just streaming and stuff with how, how yeah. I got started and just got into streaming and, and yeah, and then it just kind of took off. And then after I left H1, um, I kept doing it just cause I had fun with it. It was a yeah. good time. And then I did it for, I didn't really stream for PSA stuff. Um, but then I started doing it again for PS2 when we did some of the, uh, talk to Andy and, uh, Andy being as, as, uh, awesome of an individual as he is, he was like, yeah, dude, take a work PC home and stream yourself building levels and stuff. If you want, I don't care. Dude, just, you know, don't show anything you're not supposed to show. And I was like, don't tell me twice. And so then we did, you know, the desolation stream where I was just sitting here and just building. Those and again, fun. it was just so people could come by. Yeah, yeah. Ask some questions, get some answers. Mm-hmm. And then they were happy because yeah. nine times out of ten, the gamer just wants to know what the hell is going on or what or why. And, yeah. And it was one of the and I feel like they're of, part of it. Yeah. It, they just want context. Yeah. Like when so like people will still come to my stream from time to time and be like, dude, what the hell? Combat update, why? Like, bro, first off, it's 2022. Okay, like, you got to let it go. Okay, this is unhealthy. This is an un- unhealthy relationship right now. Secondly, and then I break down the why. And I was like, trying to make it more accessible, trying to get more people in the door, trying to grow the franchise. And they go, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But no one ever told them why. All they know is their game got completely changed with no context and no reason. And they were mad right. at it. Right. You know? And, but you tell them the why, and it's like, they can rationalize. And some people are like, that's bull. And you're like, cool. I, I don't know what else you want from me, dude. Like, yeah, I can't. What, what do you do with that? And yeah. I, I guess then the, the interesting thing to point out that might be interesting is like, why did they have to hear it from you on a stream five years later? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They come in all the time. I'd say probably I still get, you know, um, two or three people, probably at this rate is down to like two or three people a month. That'll pop in and be like, hey, dude, can you just tell me what happened with H1? Yeah. Yeah, man. Sure. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. 
Um, okay. But uh, yeah, the stories. I think just, yeah, the story and the insight. That's what the stories for. of when, when things don't go right. Mm-hmm. I think they're always hard to tell. Yeah, they're always hard to tell. Yeah. It's not. It's also not always clear whose story it is to tell. Like I've yeah. I've chatted with 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 Rel a couple times, like I mentioned, and Arena has come up. And whenever it does, he's just like. I, mean, I don't push him on it, but he's like, it's not my story. I'm like, yeah. I get it. I get it. Like maybe he knows yeah. a few things. He probably could have shared some insights, but he wants to respect the people who actually should be telling that story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, he saw a lot. Um, but, you know, when it was, uh, he wasn't in there in the meetings with, you know, execs and stuff and those yeah. discussions. And so he's yeah. probably like, eh, I'm not going to. I guarantee you he has opinions, hundred percent. I know he has opinions, and uh, his opinions are uh, righteous and, and rightfully so. But uh, and I, you know, it's 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 tough. I think the, the the PSA thing, just in general, the if Plantside Mercenaries would have just kept going back in two thousand and sixteen, I think it would have been fine, because then Daybreak would have had two BR games out before there was anything else on the market. Mm-hmm. And it, they would have held that, you know, that cornerstone. But the switch, the delay, um, the reset, Apex, and then the ultimate launch that was, what, four years later? Three, four yeah. years later? Yeah. It, was like, it had changed way too much. It was just too late. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well... And then after all that, the thing to do is just to try to learn from it and move on, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then that's you know every every project you're on, you know, there's always key takeaways. <clears throat> there's always you know, uh, I think the most one of the most important is the the relationships that you established. You yeah. Know? And so like, um, you know, during H one Z one. You know, I worked with a, a bunch of the people that were on PSA, mm-hmm. but then we weren't really super close until PSA when it was only the eight of us. And now, you know, uh, I'm sure you've seen him on on Twitter a few times, but uh, Chris Bishop, one of the artists, yeah. he's on PS2 now. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, um, I don't think he's on social, so we'll just say Rich, but, you know, Rich, he's one of the, the UI, uh, UI lead. And I talk to those guys and Andy uh, every day. And it's just one of those things. Like even now, you know, I haven't worked with them in over two years. Yeah. But every day, you know, wake up in the morning, hop into Discord, morning boys. Yeah. And you know, we just go back and forth because it's that relationship. You know, it's just yeah. it's one of those things where the the people that you meet and the are more important than the projects that you work on. So you can go ship a Barbie game if you're with the right group of people. You have fun doing it. But you can also go ship. Halo, and if you're with a whole bunch of people that you don't vibe with, it's going to be a terrible time. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, yeah, no, it's just, it's the, 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 people, the people you, you meet, work with are more important than the project you're working on. The people you but, work with are more important than the project you're working on. Yeah. The first I game, love that kind of insight as a gamer someone on my side of the aisle like it's the kind of thing we can only guess at we see you sitting on a stream next to rel and we're like i wonder what these guys talk about at lunch 
You know, does it go any further than yeah. that for me? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's. Tell me, tell me more about that. About it being more important. You, I've heard you use the word family. Oh this yeah, no, it, a it's a family, a hundred percent. Um, the uh, my first gig in the industry at on Defiance. I remember, you know, going back and forth, and there was a, an engineer, his name was Mike, and uh, you know, he was always, he was a, he's a really fun, fun dude, very, very straight to the point, um, and uh, you know, I remember bumping into him one day, and uh, I forget how the conversation got started, and it was just about you know the project and people and this and that, and like not getting too attached. And I was like, what? Why wouldn't I get too attached? Like, I love the game, I love the project. He goes at some point. Every video game ends up, and this is going to date myself, ends up in the $5 bin in Walmart. Mm. Every game. doesn't matter what it is. They all go away. But the people, they don't. And you're running them. And it's true. Like, uh, you know, Andy. So I worked with Andy, obviously. At, you know, he hired me at Daybreak and then followed him over to Rogue Planet. I'm following him again mm-hmm. over here to Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will, I will continue to go. Uh, I've, worked with the same people at two, three, four studios and you just keep running into each other. And it's, it's it, all different games. could be a baseball game, could be a shooter, you know, and could be an MMO. And it's mm-hmm. like, there they are again. And it like, it doesn't, the project doesn't matter. The project's always going to change, but the people stay the same because it's like, it's just a tiny little family. Yeah. And even, even someone at your level is not deciding what game gets made. Not really, not at the not at the highest level, but you are deciding how to be with the people you work with. Yeah, that's what you yeah. can choose. Yeah, no, it, it's it's, and it, it's it's, you know, you get late in development and you're crunching or whatever you you may be doing, and you're working a lot, you're working super late, and you just yeah. want to be around people who you can you can vibe with, right? And so like, we had this you know, discussion um, at PlayStation quite a few times when we were going over like interns and stuff and like looking at the intern program mm-hmm. and, and, you know, bringing in, in new faces. And it's like some, some of the interns that were coming in, like they are way smarter than I could ever wish to be. Like some of the stuff that these people are studying in college. And I'm just like, I was playing freaking Halo and eating Cheetos. Like what are <laughs> like, Oh my God, like you are so smart. But like at the same time, I would rather work with, somebody who is less intellectually capable but is easier to get along with mm. than I would with somebody who's a complete savant that is an absolute jerk mm-hmm. because that, you know, when it starts getting late in the cycle and it starts getting to 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. and you're still at work, whoever's sitting next to you better be really freaking cool because the two of you are stressed out beyond belief and you just want to hang out and vibe. It's so important. Yeah. The ability to collaborate, to yeah. be uh, someone that you look, that someone looks forward to meeting in the hall rather than the other way yeah. around. Like, yeah. That becomes on any, and the, the, the need to trust the person yep. you're working with, yeah. right? Yep. Exactly. Like, you know, and it's, and that's, like I said, and that's what makes it, you know, the people are way more important than the project. Because they're makes the it ones a at the end of the day that you're with every day. Yeah. Okay. And then in between projects, right? I mean, hell, I worked with, you know, Rich and Andy and, and Bishop on Mercenaries. 
and then on H1Z1, and then on Mercenaries again, and then on Planet Side 2. Like, that's four different projects. Mm-hmm. I was Planet Side 2 still out there, but that basically came and went. But it's the same people. Yeah. And now I'm going to a totally different studio with a bunch of people that I've worked with in the past. Different yeah. project, different studio, same people. And it's a it's whole. It's a whole through line of continuity that is yep. that is totally invisible to me and the guy in the Mac suit on Amrish and the guy flying the Reaver on Indar. Like yeah. that is fascinating to me because you know I put a lot of I, I didn't I didn't tune into Arena uh, while it was around because I was yeah. one of the guys who was like a battle royale on my planet side. Are you kidding me? I was cynical about it. And also I was just not that tuned into the IP at that time. But anyway. Um so when I was trying to prepare to, to sit down and talk to you, I was like, how do I get into the soul of this game? How do I understand what it was about? Why did people play it? What did they see in it? Like how what was what was the progression? Um and for me, like I look at things like, okay. This com- this competitor released at this time. This there's this kind of context. I learned for you that you were involved in the combat update H one Z one. I was like, oh okay, there's an interesting through line from there to planet side. And um, I guess you look at someone's career on paper, and you see like it looks like they're being drawn. We can kind of create like a motivation in our head to say this person is chasing this. It takes them through all these things. But that doesn't, that's all based on some kind of, um, it's like, it's, it's like someone's grinding a battle pass, right? And you know what the end of the battle pass looks like, but that's not the way a life works. Uh-uh. It's, you make yeah. it up as you go and you're drawn, drawn through it by the people. And I, I, I feel like this is just personally to me, because even though I wasn't involved in, in, I didn't care about Arena when it was here very much. Um, it's it it's it's a blow to my planet side family to have a game like Arena that yeah. that came and went. Like it hurts to have to have had that happened. I heard. Um, I talked to Commander Sirius a few weeks ago. He's a YouTuber uh, for Planet Side. Yeah. Been around for a long time. Yeah, and uh, he his. He had this the hot take that that uh, Planet Side Arena might have killed the possibility of Planet Side Three ever existing, and I mean, you know that that that's his take. I don't necessarily agree no, with it. Of course, of course, it's 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 a kind of thing you can easily extrapolate. But yeah. when I hear you talk about this, I don't care about any of that <laughs> because there are so many there are so many games, man. Oh yeah, it's like I told like I told you if if I could play. Everything that interested me, I would do nothing else. Now I need to create some more hours in the day besides. There's a lot out there. And, but the people like with you are also what, what moved me through my life, who I'm connected with. And it creates a story of understanding what happened here that to me is much easier to take away. Then, then there was a cynical, a cynical idea that almost tried to pull over on me, and it didn't work. And now, because yeah. of it, I'm fucked. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's a little, that's a little hyperbolic, but 
Like that's the, the in, in the corner of my mind that that that's the, that's the voice I hear. Yeah. But no, man, it's just people doing their best to make the coolest thing they can under difficult circumstances and yeah. trying to help each other out. Yeah, we're give, we're given a given a box to color in. You got to stand inside the lines and try to make the best picture you can. And sometimes the box is really big because you got a hundred million. Or sometimes the box is really small because you got ten million. Yeah. Sometimes the box is tiny because you're, you know, an indie developer by yourself trying to make something. And all you have is you know you, and so you know it all. That it, it's all all a huge factor. But at the end of the day, like you're just trying to make something awesome. Yeah. I um I had a conversation with a a Guild Wars two streamer a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the gulf that kind of can exist between people who make the games, people who play them, mm-hmm. and the desire, the appetite for the really invested gamers to understand, like, why is this being done? Like the same kind of thing yeah. you would hear with people who float into your stream, be like, "What happened with H one Z one? Like, what's? I love this thing and it went away. What what happened? Can you help me understand yeah. this? Get past it." Yeah. And we talked about like. You know, what What can game studios do better or different? Or what, what have we seen work to let pe- clue people in? And I don't know, like, I feel like we kind of came away with this kind of brutal truth that, that I'm still trying to decide about, which is like a game that does, a game that fulfills its purpose speaks for itself. You don't need someone to tell the story because it tells its own story. It's only when things don't work that we need that story and within the world the the family of game development i know that when you go work on new world you're going to not repeat any mistakes you feel like you made while working on defiance while working on <laughs> on any any planet side or h1z1 um and uh I don't know. I guess my mind's being a little blown at the moment. That's all. No, no, no. You're good. It, you try not to do this, but I'll make different mistakes. Of course. And then I'll learn from them. And As then you, you should. just go forward and you know not to make those. There's just a whole lot of mistakes out there to be made. And right. it's just tough because, you know, everything is different. Every every landscape is different. Every game is different. Every team is different. The engine's different. Community's different. One thing that works one place may not work somewhere else. So you're like, I'm going to do this this way because it worked that way in the past. Oh, hell, that didn't work at all. You know, and there's just, there's a lot of... Or sometimes it works and you don't know why. And it doesn't work somewhere else. And why, and why didn't this work? Like, yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. Making games uh, sounds hard, man. It, it is. It's super, it's, it's so much harder than I ever thought it would have been. But it's also so much more rewarding than I thought it ever would have been. And it is, it's why, why I, I do what I do. And I'm just, ex- I'm, su- I'm super excited for this Amazon opportunity. I am yeah. super blessed for the time that I had, uh, this last run at PlayStation, uh, team. They're super talented. Those, Anything you want to you know, say about they, that time, about what you were doing or. Oh uh, yeah. I was, I was actually making baseball, um, which was a complete departure for me. That is totally, oh. yeah, it's just totally different. Um, but it was, they needed a, uh, uh, a systems designer with a, uh, RPG background. Uh, huh. Um, because, uh, it was for itemization and progression. And I was like, I can do that. It might be on mm. baseball, but like, you know, numbers are numbers. Math is math. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I was working on that. And so I worked on that for, for a couple of years and I really, really enjoyed my, uh, my time there. Um, 
but uh you know this i'm i'm hopeful this next chapter i've seen you know some of the things they've got in the roadmap i understand what their their long-term vision is for the game uh and i am genuinely excited about what they've got going on for new world so i'm stoked it gets me excited yeah just selfish Um, go ahead (laughs) no i'm just saying i'm just i'm just i'm stoked it's been yeah yeah Yeah. gonna be good (laughs) yeah yeah okay because uh yeah i guess i guess pivoting a bit back to gamer brain uh i played the shit out of some new world last year and like and watched it get get a a million players and then and then i got to the end i'm like okay like I've seen what I needed to see here, and yeah. I don't know what's going on, and I'm anxious to see the uh, to see New World communicate with me again in a way that uh, is like, okay, here's why you should I'm come back. back. Here's yeah. why you should come back. So I'm excited to hear what that's going to look like because it's a cool world. It needs people in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I that's, think that's the the big thing with with New World that always pulled me. There's something special about its foundation. There's right. just like you run around the world. There's just something about it. You're like, damn, this is really cool. And you know, of course, you know, the launched had good numbers, and I think people, a lot of people, got to you know, forty to sixty, and they just kind of like either didn't want to keep doing what they were doing, or yeah. they got through the content and they were like, all right, well, I saw it and I'm out now. Um, and right. so, you know, they're waiting for that update to to bring them back. But I think that's the beauty of it is that you pay for it and you just come back whenever you want to come back. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about firing up a sub. You don't have to worry about anything. You just reinstall it and go check it out again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when those updates do hit, I think it's, you know, uh, I'm excited. Cool, man. Well, I will watch that with a lot more, <laughs> much more of a smile on my face knowing that you're in the mix. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I'm working with, uh, actually, it's funny. One of the guy, again, small family, I started Tryon. He started Tryon as well uh-huh. within a week. And both of us, it was our first time in the industry. Uh-huh. We both got laid off together. Haven't worked with him since. He's been on New World. Now I'm going to work. And so we'll be coworkers again for the first time in like that's cool. eight years. And like, it's just, that's just rad. It's just, it, I'm jazzed. That is really cool, man. Well, between like, the the family of game dev and and streaming and all that it sounds like you're you're a guy who really feels you have a strong sense of community about you i mean it doesn't matter what you make if uh there's no community there's no job you have no game i make the coolest thing if no one plays it, it doesn't matter i can make something terrible if everybody plays it then it matters. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no, yeah. And so it's huge. It's huge. Whether it's the community playing the game or the family making the game, either way, you're not doing it on your own. Yeah. You know, and an indie dev can do it on their own. That's, you know, someone small doing a, you know, a small project or whatever. Uh, They can, they can definitely make it, but once it goes out, they still need the community to play it. And so either way, you got community. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's unavoidable. Yeah. I think yeah. that for me personally, 
I have been trying to find a community around playing video games that sustain me. Hmm. I still feel like it's something that I'm looking for, and to the point where even I've, I've just sort of given up. I've stopped looking and said, okay, I guess I got to try to make it if I can. Yeah. Started doing this podcast, dabbling a bit with streaming. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel that too, man. I need to feel, I want to feel surrounded. I want to be at the, at the nerd camp, dude. Yeah. You know, I, I want, I want to be surrounded by people who have similar interests and get excited when I do something nerdy that, that, you yeah. know, maybe my, my wife who I love passionately, but doesn't give a shit about this stuff. Uh, you know, it won't won't care about, or you know, my family who are doing their own things. It's just uh, your found family, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a especially for I think those of us that are have got a few years on the rest of y'all. But growing up, I was the nerd. And I was the outcast. The video games weren't cool. And that was it. You know, yeah, what I mean? brother. And it's changed now. Like now video games are a cool thing, right? Mm. Oh, cool kids play video games or whatever, right? But like, so there's a level of, I think, validation where you're just like, stuff I'm into is relevant. So everybody that called me a nerd growing up, y'all can suck it. <laughs> yes. The revenge of the nerds. You know? It is. Dude. I feel like, that. When I, I feel that passionately, man. Because. It's, it's so like, yeah, I remember when I was, I got my first gig at PlayStation the first time. People I hadn't talked to since high school hit me. Hey, dude, can I get a PlayStation? Oh. You know what? <laughs> if I could get that, man, I would send you one because I don't, I'm too lazy to hold a grudge. But goddamn, really? It's been Are you long, serious? And now you're after something? Get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I don't want to call you out or anything. I grew up. No, I, went to, right. I, I remember growing up in the 90s. And mm -hmm. the very fortunate enough to have a computer in the house, right? My dad was an accountant, yeah. so he needed, he was ahead of the, the curve technologically. <laughs> and, uh, and video games were around and around, I remember around the turn of the, the century, 2001 or so, getting upgrading from dial up, where I'd been trying to play Quake 3 and Half Life on dial up. And yeah. so, so, so many games that were multiplayer functional back then weren't really functional in dial-up. Not really. No. Also, you had to no. have a dedicated phone line or end your game whenever uh, someone called in, man. Yeah. Mom would pick up the phone and that was it. You're Mom! Mom, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, my friend's calling. Uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and there was no, like, there weren't discords, there weren't, there was Twitch, all the, all the ways that we build community around this this passion Rumble, and this interest is just yeah. it's wildly different man it's yeah. really cool actually it's really cool there's yeah. a part of me that thinks like if i could have streamed and done podcasting in my 20s that mm -hmm. i could have gotten a much earlier start on the things i'm passionate about compared to how it actually worked out yeah I mean, it's you know it's hindsight's hindsight's 2020 it's one of those in 2000 and Eight, two thousand nine. 2009 I grew up on consoles mm. and so I had bought my first PC for college and that's when I really got into PCs and then like I really got into PCs upgrading overclocking 
benchmarking, competing, all see. that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> and it's like, damn it, if I would have put this on YouTube, I could have been Linus. Yeah. Because I was I was there and it was that was the time and I had all the gear and I had all the stuff and I just never put two and two together. Right. And uh, you know, now I look at it and I see, you know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these guys they start their YouTube channels or whatever, and they're like, Oh yeah, well, you know, my first CPU is like uh E, you know, seventy seven hundred. And I was like, dude, I was two generations before that. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm an idiot. But I had no idea. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things. That's fine. I'm making video games. So I'm, I'm still a W, but like... Yeah, well, back then, for all we knew, our parents were right, and it was a waste of time, right? Waste of time. What are you going to do? Get a real Play job. video games forever? Actually, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I think that is a fantastic <laughs> note to end this on. That was awesome. Anything else you want to yeah, talk you, about, I, brother? No, I, was, I, I think the only, the only other thing is uh, to anybody listening to this, Next time you're really upset because the game devs seem to do something really stupid, just ask yourself twice before yelling at them, and then don't yell at them. Just ask them a question. Mm-hmm. That's all I ask. Because nine times out of ten, if it is something that seems really dumb, there's probably an outside factor, and the dev also agrees that to an extent it's really dumb, but they had to do what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just never know the full picture of what's going on. We're just people. We're just trying to make games try to navigate life and uh, you never know all the, uh, all the external factors that are going on out there. So that's it. There it is. Just be, we're just people, people making games, playing games. Yeah. Yeah. But what about, did you have anything else that you wanted to probably on before we dipped? Nah, man, I'm astonished that you tolerated me bugging you about Planet Side Arena for so long. Like, nah, it's again, it's, it just goes back to people just want, answers to questions like that's it and minds are yeah. curious and there, yeah, there's a reason there's like a, a sense of closure right like yeah. what yeah. i mean closure may be fake news but like like what what should i have learned from this thing i don't know what yeah. i should have learned from this thing let's ask people it, show curiosity yeah yep it, it's funny because there would be times where like uh you know, when I, I just wrapped at PlayStation, so I was going through portfolio and yeah. I was going through all my personal drives to make sure like my resume and everything is in order, this and that. And I come across a bunch of screenshots and videos from Planetside Arena and all I do is get angry. And I just get mm. mad and I get pissed off because like it didn't go how we wanted it to. I know what the team put into it and I know what coulda, shoulda, woulda and just what wasn't. And it sucks because then, like, you know, you come across someone and they're like, oh, I can't believe you did PSA. It should have been PS3. Like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, I got a story to tell you. So maybe hopefully after this, they can just listen to this and be like, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> we'll see, man. I hope so. Yeah, I hope but... so. And yeah. I hope that you have a blast working on New World. I can't wait. I am so... It's one of those things like when you're when you're a designer and you're working on something that you want to work on, you never stop thinking about it. It's like earlier today, you know, I was thinking about crafting and gathering and thinking about, you know, some of the nothing's perfect, obviously. That's yeah. why we keep doing what we're doing. But I was like in Home Depot and I was getting uh copies of keys made for the new house. Yeah. And then I start thinking about like and it's just it, it's always running in the background. It's like a background process on your PC. Yeah. It's just always there. And I was like, Oh dude, we could totally do this and this would solve A, B, and C. And I'm like in the middle of a conversation with this dude about keys for a lock. And like, this thing comes to me and like, I start spacing out like mid convo and I'm like, and I like re-engage in the conversation. I write but this like, down. 
yeah, when you're when you're you're passionate and you care, like that's just how it works. Like there's no timeline. We were having conversations with the CEO when I was on H one. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Well, how long do you think it'll take you to solve this?" And I was like, "I don't know." Mm. I was like, "I solved the problem with uh, a level I was making on Defiance, like four years after I left the company, because <laughs> it was still sitting back there. It just came to you one day I was in the still shower, thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And it was just just churning. I was like, "Oh, I could have done that. No relevance to anything else I was working on. Uh-huh. And like, couldn't do anything about it. Like the game had already like been shut down or whatever, but." That's just what happened. It just sits there. And so I'm, I'm excited. But you had that unresolved kind of like, like, a, like a wrinkle in a piece of clothing in the back of your mind. And yep. you finally straightened that out. And, and then yep. that, that, that place where defiance lives within you gets to be a little bit more well-ordered. You can look back at it and see like, oh yeah, this is what I learned from this. Yep. Exactly. A little bit yeah. more neat and more tidy. So but yeah, good time. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you for taking the time, Cardo. And uh, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime at all. Next time that you uh, you talk to Rel, give him a virtual hug for me. I will. And, I always uh, do. I always do. And awesome. And be nice to Rel. All right. Be nice to him. That's it. All right. That's all Heard I got. Here. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you so much, brother. You have a good weekend and uh, chat again soon. Let me know if you need anything else. I'll be around. All right, dude. Cool. All right, brother. Well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I guess we do a cold exit. This has been the Deeg Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time. Later.